Ahoy there, it's me, your old pal, Cowboy Kevin. Hey, happy Christmas. Hope you're having a good holly jolly time. Here's a little something from ourselves here on How To for you guys. This was originally released back on our Patreon page last year. This is from our side series we've been doing since this pandemic business started. A little number called Pay-Per-View Classic, where we go back and we look at classic pay-per-views as voted by the fans. And we always have a ridiculous time because we found out all sorts of things about Joe's taste as it pertains to wrestling classic and otherwise and no more so than this vince russo vince mcmahon attitude era madness it's the deadly games tournament a year after the montreal screw job and let's just say we had a very fun time as we always do on pay-per-view classic if you become our backer over now at patreon.com forward slash how to wrestling get access to the whole series there are a whole bunch of episodes going all the way from wcw's halloween havoc 1995 you've got royal rumble 2002 wrestlemania WrestleMania 21, WrestleMania 17, ECW Heatwave 1998 with the original music. We have an own heart special with King of the Ring 1994 and just dropped one of our strangest episodes to date and certainly one you don't want to miss out. We reviewed the 1992 World Bodybuilding Federation Expose and let me tell you, it was something else. All this as well as all of our regular pay-per-view reviews from WWE and AEW going all the way back to SummerSlam 2015. You've got Q&A episodes with myself and Joe, videos, and much more besides. And there's a special Christmas The The Big Show 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 hidden under the stocking as well. So if you like the show and you've enjoyed the content we've put out in 2021, why not consider becoming a backer for as little as $5 over at patreon.com forward slash howtowrestling. Enjoy this episode, enjoy your holiday season, and we'll see you in 2022. <laughs> for certain friends death taxes and classic pay-per-view reviews and for the first time ever this comes to you not with a fan vote but with a contentious follow-on from last month's vote joe you were looking for some dramatic pay-per-views were you not i i was i think i'm always after dramatic pay-per-views it's like one of my favorite things in wrestling is when we get like silliness and high drama yeah so it's kind of like you know wrestling you want to be the person who's looking over you at the lunch table whispering causing drama yeah. and stuff like that mm -hmm. it's there's a dramatist in all of us joe <laughs> how did new year's revolution 06 our last classic episode fare up in terms of that big d word drama yeah i had i had a lot of fun with that one i was because that was the first pick, wasn't it? As in, like, that that came top of the, yeah. the polls. For, like, ten votes yeah. or something. And we had a couple hundred votes in it. The so. people's vote. Yeah. <laughs> and so I thought, you know, I, I enjoyed it, but I didn't think it was quite as dramatic as I thought it could have been. Well, it was pointed out to me that the real drama was actually the drama of you finally reviewing a bra and panties match. Yeah. Deep end in the gauntlet. So there was nothing if not drama there with accusations of me loving my job, which I strenuously deny to this day. <laughs> you cannot prove that I do. So here we are once again with Survivor Series 1998, a close second. And this is a really weird show for a couple of reasons. Do you remember what Survivor Series is meant to be normally? It's supposed to be like a 
oh like not a tournament but like one of those things where they all fight each other and, <laughs> but not a tournament it's a survivor series i can't remember the rules okay or Is it, but, what, did you say teams did i imagine that word yes i said teams thank okay, you thank right. you paul hollywood for the, that hint yeah <laughs> right so we don't have elimination here tonight unless you mean a single elimination tournament to crown a vacant champion hang on i'm confused now you're saying elimination so that's got to do with like elimination chamber <laughs> so the survivor series normally is a five on five team versus team encounter oh yeah 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 because we still get those to this day yeah we we got them in 10 we did the pay-per-view that took place 10 years this is weird we have now on how to patreon survivor series 98 2008 and 2018 wow that's so weird and three more different shows <laughs> what even is survivor series you know as it turns to this survivor series is the one night of the year we make grand allusions to brad hart leaving the company a year prior so right because he the montreal screwjob happened at a survivor series 1997 yeah so literally See, i yeah. never remember that because i don't remember the did we we haven't watched that pay-per-view have we we no. just watched that bit yeah and most of you know the wrestling with shadows all the stuff where triple h is like no no i'm not a piece of shit no i'm, <laughs> I'm a big boy <laughs> <laughs> Mummy thinks I'm cool. Yeah, and Brad's wife is like, you limp dick piece of yeah. shit. So that all happened at Survivor Series. So you've seen a lot of things. Like, Vince being knocked out by Brett and being spat in the face. I like the idea of him being knocked out by Brett's spit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> KO Sharper. Yeah. So yeah, we've not actually watched that pay-per-view. I've never actually seen that pay-per-view. What? Well, we have to do that at some point then. Well, actually, it's the next pay-per-view on tap for the Attitude Era podcast season four, which is never mind. currently in a week hiatus. And that brings me to another point. A lot of people voted against this one originally because they thought that I shouldn't review a pay-per-view that I've already done for the Attitude Era podcast. Why? Well, here's the thing. I mean, I, I have this problem a lot with podcasts. Like, yeah, because like your job is to review pay-per-views from a classic race. Like, does that mean I never get to watch any Attitude Era of, of course pay-per-views? Not. Like, because Kevin's seen them. Well, look, bear this in mind. And I really, like, this is going to age us all, like, fucking 20 years when okay. you hear it, okay? Because when we had the Cinema Swirl, we released the new Bill and Ted episodes. Yeah. And, like, the other day, when it came out, I was like, it was great because it came out, like, six weeks ago, the last one. It was eight months ago the first Bill and Ted that I did eight months ago wow and I felt like it was yesterday I reviewed Survivor Series 1998 before for the ITR podcast yes seven and a half years ago wow that's before we met it's before we met yes a long time ago so I think Kevin will have very different opinions now you know I've been a big influence <laughs> I've been a bitch I've told him <laughs> what he can, he that's what the fans will say. <laughs> Look, all I'll say is, is that many things have happened to me since I was 23 slash 24. Jesus, that's so young. Yeah, I know. Baby. That's crazy to think. I thought I was such a fucking old man back then as well. It was so funny. <laughs> and now I'm a young 32-year-old. Yeah. But no, look, I, I think one of my mid-20s, but something as well that also struck me while watching this show here was that that initial run of the Outshare podcast pay-per-views, that was the fucking first time I dipped my toe back into my childhood nostalgia and, like, watched yeah. those shows and, like, watched the week to week and tried to see how it held up. And when it wasn't as good as I thought it was and I was watching it with, with you know, my friends who hadn't seen it or whatever, I was like, well, let's fucking burn it to the ground. <laughs> and it didn't do me any harm to get that out of my system. I yeah. will say, 
being a bit older and wiser and having a broader palette of things I enjoy mm. wrestling now, this was a different viewing experience. Yeah, good. Well, <laughs> I should hope so because... <laughs> I haven't grown at all in like seven years or whatever. No, not even that, but like, am I really doing my job? Like, what's the point of even being on this podcast if I can't challenge some of your opinions? Yeah. Like, that's the whole reason we do this is because... I'm a lady who doesn't watch the wrestling. So, you know, I think my opinions will be different from your opinions. And my opinions might influence your opinions in a good way or a bad way. We don't know. Yeah, that's true. But I think regardless, it's going to be really interesting because like, I just know when we were watching this, there were several moments where you were like, oh, God. And I was like, oh, okay. But there was a lot of hands clapping and hee hee hees and yeah. such like that as well. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I didn't think I was going to have a great time with this. You know, I, I thought it would just be like, all right, let's let's get through it. I feel I was going to end up repeating myself and yeah. that I, I didn't have much to think. But honestly, watching the show, it, it, it shows how much my tastes have changed, I think. So obviously, like, bonus content then will get me doing a commentary <laughs> of the Attitude Era podcast reviewing this. Oh, or maybe, like, God. you and me, like, doing a commentary of that so we can just, like, see how your opinions have changed. Because I was going to listen back to it before because, like, I want to listen back and make sure I don't say the same things or whatever. Yeah. But I think if I do or I don't, I think that's interesting in of itself. Yeah, so. and I, I really want to listen to because I've actually... I don't think I've listened to a whole episode of the Ashley Era podcast before, have I? Did you listen to the Broken Skull Challenge? Yes, no, I did. Oh, but good. I don't know if I really count that because it's Broken Skull Challenge, right? Yeah. Yeah. Other than wrestling. And that's true. You're, you're a big broken I am, fan, yeah. Like, that's like so. a really easy entryway. <laughs> but yeah, I would um I, I really would like to listen to that episode, but I don't want to do it yet because I want to be able to vocalise my own opinions. It's it's just three slightly heavy set men in their mid twenties really, really being vicious about overweight men and the product at the time. I think Aww. that's that's what that's that's my like I'm anxious and that's what I think about things I've done in the past, like you know. <laughs> <laughs> So, here we are, Survivor Series 1998, and you can't go back again, because I swore to God when I was watching this, like, wait a minute, this intro's been, like, changed, and it's different. Originally, it started off with, like, all the different wrestlers being like, whatever it takes, whatever it takes, whatever it takes, and this time it was just one guy. Yeah, who, I couldn't decide, who was it? Was it someone doing an impression of The Undertaker? He sounded bored. He sounded really bored, but it's, it really did sound like either The Undertaker, like, first thing in the morning, or, like, maybe after he's, like, gotten a concussion and delivered a baby. Yeah, it's like, like, you know, uh... that's the famous Sasha Banks picture where she's really, like, tired at the yeah. airport that Biggie had made into socks. Mm. The Undertaker version of Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like the idea here that they thought maybe this would just about get away where they have a man who's, like, 14 men. No, that's that's too... They desire a b- hunger. You're not mumbling enough. It's more like, 14 men. Hey, this is shit. You, yeah. know, you know what they used yeah. to do? They used to get an old man named Freddie Blassie who would be like, wrestling is a mystery. And what? Yeah. And instead they got this other guy. Fucking bogus. But there's one thing that they cut out a little bit of, but we still got a portion of. And this morning before we came down to record... Joe sat in bed with coffee with her very important assignment, which was to listen to the theme song, It's a Deadly Game. Deadly Game! I will play! Deadly Game. Deadly Game. Deadly Game. Uh, Did you enjoy the Deadly Game, Joe? Yeah, it's a banger. I'm adding that to my wrestling themes list, even though it's not a wrestling theme. I just love it! I thought... When you showed it to me, I like I thought it was originally written to be like I don't know the theme music for like a knockoff Bond movie from the nineties, <laughs> because 
because it really sounds like a proper shit but like one of the good shit bond movies with like yeah what did we talking dalton like no not dalton like brosnan yeah, you could, you can see Brosnan. Brosnan with the rule of the days. Yeah. If if Brosnan got to do Casino Royale, it would be <laughs> rule of the days. Play back rat. <laughs> be from Navin. <laughs> I did like the Deadly Games theme. So good. I can't believe that it was written for this. For like for wrestling. That that fucking blows my mind. I really I just, it's just like proper banging power ballad like oh i love it so catchy it's a foot stomper is what it is people were sat down they start stomping their feet with this one this is a jim johnson joint would you believe of course i do believe because he's so gifted and the best in the industry but how how, why don't they use this anymore i i was really intrigued by it because i think jim johnson did it with some musicians because I looked up to see if it had been used again because yeah. this was during a little period where Jim Johnson was doing some kind of actual like songs with you know, lyrics and music for the pay-per-views. And I was saying to you before we started, the other one that he did that you know after this was for Royal Rumble 1989, where Stone Cold had no chance of winning, and that went on to become Vince McMahon's theme song. So, so good. no, no one got Deadly Game, although they did reuse it. I found out in 2006 mm. for for No Way Out, except because it's 2006, it's very much like a Corey Gray's. And we'd like to thank Theory of a Dead Man for deadly game it's like because it's a deadly game oh, that we're playing no. you. Uh, uh, uh. so I, don't don't listen to that folks I won't, I won't listen to that thank you i i'm sad that wrestling has to be all like heavy metal stuff no actually yeah. i wasn't even heavy metal. i can't my it's too early in the morning and my my voice is too delicate i can't do an actual heavy metal so i sound more like the thing i want in wrestling <laughs> which is the good power balance you're basically saying less motorhead is what you're yeah, saying yeah less motorhead like less metal i mean i like it as well that the lyrics you know there's a florid language here well look oh, really at... i only recognized deadly game <laughs> well you know it's good when you think you could pretty much work out as like a good jake the snake roberts really promo. roll the dice play your cards break the rules that's who you are whoever said to play it safe never played the game too many players but too many pawns. So many judges say what's right and what is wrong. We'll let them jump into the fire if they want to play. <laughs> Trust me. <laughs> wow, that is quite like Jay. It is. Yeah. very good. So the Deadly Games, which is a special tournament, and the context they gave Joe of this dramatic pay-per-view is that it's the height of the Attitude Era and Vince McMahon and Stone Cold Steve Austin hate each other to bits. Vince Russo's right in the show. You've got Undertaker. Mankind is only a few months after falling off the hell in the cell. And in a bid to get the championship off Stone Cold, Vince put him in all these screwy matches with Kane and the Undertaker. Long story short, Steve Austin doesn't have the belt anymore. It's Vince's. And now he has this tournament, which is solely designed to crown a new champion, a corporate champion, who won't fly in the face of the WWF and, and be anti-establishment like Steve Austin. Okay. But Steve Austin's still in the tournament because Vince McMahon's prodigal son, Shaming Man, has come back and signed Stone Cold to a five-year deal. And why, Dad? Because I'm just like you. And he's all like, crying and stuff. And now I realize I shouldn't have told you that in the Shane McMahon episode before I did. 
uh, the Vince episode, the Brett episode, like any of the stuff that would have made sense. But there what, you go. why? Because I, I think I told you about like I was adamant in doing the Shane McMahon episode when we did. Oh right, you mean because he was like rebelling against all these people yeah. that I didn't know who they were. <laughs> yeah, didn't yeah. they? Yeah, maybe have the same bite with it. Uh... I don't think that's necessarily. I mean, yeah, you could argue. You could argue it might have worked better the other way around, but like. From my perspective, it was quite intriguing, like being brought into this world through people like Shane, because he's like, he's a very likable guy. I think I wanted you to know more about, hey, the boss's son could yeah. be a daredevil. You know, that was more my my takeaway from it for and you. He's a bit more complex and interesting than like Vince, who just like is an enigma. Yeah, exactly. I think like imagine if we'd done Vince as like early as Shane. No, it just wouldn't have worked. I don't. Honestly, I would have yeah. ran away screaming. Yeah, I think we needed to temper the McMahon expectations just a little bit. We have an amazing sponsor for this. It's 1998, which means Nestle have commandeered an airship. Joe, fly the Nestle Crunch blimp into my mouth. Love it. I love a good Nestle Crunch. I don't know if I've actually had one. Or if I have had one, I don't think I liked it. Okay, it's very much just like a Galaxy Crisp. And I actually mm, think it may okay. even be the same bar. UK fans need to con- confirm that with me. Okay. Mr. McMahon is in charge tonight. He has picked all of the matches, including allowing The Undertaker and Kane to not have to take part in first round matches. Why has he picked the matches and he picked Stone Cold to be in them? He He couldn't stop Steve Austin being in it because Steve Austin's new contract he got from Shane means that he gets... A championship match and Vince says right well your championship opportunity is actually going to be entering into this 14-man tournament instead mm. so it's basically Vince trying to get away Austin from the championship at the same time and okay Undertaker and Kane get to miss the first round because Vince is scared of them right yeah fair enough they're demons he called them putrid pussies Joe Vince did he did that doesn't sound like a man who's scared of some demons oh they broke his that's why he's in a wheelchair now they broke his leg afterwards his leg afterwards and another touchstone here a couple of weeks before this was the debut of Mr. Socko and Mankind is visiting that very injured Vince McMahon Vince McMahon opens the show up and Garen Dan tees us a new champion I love seeing Vince in a wheelchair. What is it about Vince in a wheelchair that oh, is just, just fun for you? I, mm, it's, it's, it's because I know about Vince and it's because I literally, when I saw him in that wheelchair pretending to limp with both legs, I was like, immediately I was like, this is before the whole double quad tear. Yes, yeah, seven years before, could you imagine? He's asking for that, isn't he? Really, with this. <laughs> he really is. He's asking for it. He wants it so bad. Can, can and... I just point out, Vince will be in a wheelchair two more times <laughs> before then. Once for real, two other times for kayfabe. So. I just, yeah, I, seeing him like pretending to be all frustrated, like limping around, like wheelchair bound. I love when just... he sat in the chair like he's fidgety, like he's yeah. uncomfortable, he wiggles yeah. his bum around. And I just I just like seeing that and then thinking of like how frustrated he would have been <laughs> to rip both of his quads and then actually be need to be in a wheelchair. <laughs> it's good to know that Vincent Man hasn't got the sense of self to actually figure out how that might have been a little bit ironic when it yeah. happens to him. No, and it's just, it's just great because I know that Vince is like such a, he's so obsessed with like his own power yeah. that seeing him like, 
Yeah, and there's wheelchairs surrounded by like big men, well, big old men. <laughs> He's got quite the fucking entourage with him. Yeah, it's great. Now I love when Vince is surrounded by you know, the full corporate team, and you've got you know the likes of Ken Shamrock and the Rock or all these your know, big beefcakes. There's something about Vince McMahon being surrounded by a sea of placating grey men in yeah, tweed I, jackets. I way prefer that yeah. to the, like the Ken Shamrock stuff. Like that that stuff doesn't really. I I kind of get it. Like fine because they're muscly men, but like Vince is so muscly too. Yeah. Like, he doesn't actually need like more muscle men. Like I like the idea of him having all these like, old brains. And I love as well that his old men, it's like Patterson and Briscoe, who are really old, but they're actually like legit badass wrestlers. Yeah. Like, you know, Terry Funk had a whole chapter in his book about why the Briscoes were like, you know, pieces of shit and I hate <laughs> them. They never beat me and my brother Dory. <laughs> but like Patterson as well is like, you know, a legit badass wrestler from the old days. And I'll never not find the term Commissioner Sergeant Slaughter like it's too funny to yeah me. it's very funny stolen valor and all <laughs> people were pretty sure that you were going to love this pay-per-view because of how much Vince it features like yes. we cut back to Vince a lot in the pay-per-view yeah I uh, we were, everyone was right well done you did a good job here I love this Vince show Vince is the highlight of this entire pay-per-view honestly like it's just him acting loads he doesn't even do much throughout the show it's just like him just being on camera and responding to things his and presence is kind of felt throughout yeah. Well. yeah and he's just like he's so entertaining he just gets it i just i love him i, just, I hate how much i love vince as a character yeah he's, he's pretty much the peak here you know he's had around a year after he's got spat in the face by brett and i think he has processed that into an entertaining character that i think is one of those rare cases in wrestling that seems to be as enjoyable for the performer yeah. as it is. It's a very selfish performance. Oh, 100%. You can see... <laughs> that we happen to all love. <laughs> you can see in his eyes... This is for me. <laughs> that, that, this is for him. Yeah, there's a glint in his eyes. To, that, this whole thing. He's having so much fun. Yeah. It's just... oh. So Vince has got a special plan tonight. You see... Mm. There's one wrestler in the World Wrestling Federation, and far from being a, the corporate ideal, is very easy to manipulate, very childlike, very, very dangerous, very strong, but easily pointed in a direction to do what he wants. So Vince McMahon's corporate pick is Mick Foley, a.k.a. Mankind. Yeah, I, you can't call him Mick Foley, can no, you? It's not Mick this Foley. this is Mankind. And, yeah, it's, it's Mankind, 100%. He's um, he's in a suit. He's <laughs> in the tuxedo. Yeah. With the cummerbunds. Yeah. The little monogram slippers that you get for going to a boys' brigade. <laughs> <laughs> it was... A, and he's at the clean shave as oh, well. Oh, yes! And the attempt to put the hair into, like, a, a manageable state. Yeah, JR made note several times of Mankind's nice haircut. Oh, he's got a nice haircut as today. This is the period of time where Mankind is calling Vince McMahon dad. <laughs> so to say that Vince has some sort of a power over him is like the greatest understatement in the history of the WWF. Vince McMahon has prepared remarks for Mankind's opponent in the first round. I love this. Like, we, we don't know who is going up against Mankind. It's just a question mark. And Vince, to announce who it is, he pulls out this little piece of paper, unfolds it carefully, puts on his little half-moon spectacles. Looks around like, at the crowd like, don't you dare laugh at my spectacles. <laughs> oh, this, this little build-up bit here, the forums, the, the message boards at the time, I recall we're saying that it was going to be Shawn Michaels who'd been injured <laughs> in January was coming back. No one... At Survivor Series, why not? Of no course. No one could be prepared for what this... I mean, like, surely in 1998, wrestling is so 
different from everything before it. Like, how yeah. on earth are you supposed to predict anything? Well, that's the most so funny about this because you know you've got WCW at the same time. Is yeah, happening. ECW is happening at the same time. I mean, this is wrestling where there are many free agents, many people going places, and also during a time where you're not going to know if someone's going to show up because people weren't very public about their comings and goings at the time. So they play into that. And Vince would be saying, "Oh, this cornerstone of the World Wrestling Federation." left in 1990 to reach greener pastures in WCW uh, before shoulder injury took him out of the game and people are like wait he, he was injured he went away is it like Kevin Nash is it Scott Hall <laughs> and my favorite line is when he says this man is the coach of the Pasadena Chargers which sounds like a very impressive yeah. sporting team which right after the opponent comes out, we are informed is a little league football team for an Aww. elementary school. It's none other than perennial jobber and the man who JR says spends more time on the canvas than Rembrandt, Dwayne Gill. AKA Gilberg? You recognised him. I know. Well, there's only one wrestler called Gill and <laughs> at least as far as I'm aware. Not today, not to Gill. It's Gilberg. So I... Gil, he's not called Gilberg in the WWE, is he? Because he's it's a WCW name. No, no, no. What actually, this is the debut here of, of Dwayne Gill as like kind of the job squad guy. In a few months after this, they kept him around and then he became Gilberg. Oh, I see. So he wasn't even Gilberg at this point. No, not yet. It was a couple months wow. later. So it was into 1999, they were like started to make fun of Goldberg by having Gilberg with Dwayne Gill instead. Huh. And as much as I love Gilberg, seeing Dwayne Gill come out in his Pasadena Chargers little t-shirt, gets spooked by his fireworks. <laughs> And he's like spent most of the time just like if I was game into wrestling, I'd spend like he did most of the time just looking at the Titan Tron that they made. He's like, Well, yeah. yeah, it's me. Did you see the little video they had for him? Because he was a jobber. All the footage was him being beaten up. Oh, I didn't <laughs> notice that. Because he was never born any oh. reactions. <laughs> Well, Joe, do you want to take us through this first round matchup in the Deadly Games tournament? Yeah, absolutely. So it's obviously it's Mankind versus Dwayne Gill. Mm. The bell rings. Mankind, he he goes in for a... What move is it he does? He does the double arm DDT. That's it. Double arm DDT. Very good move. And gets the pin. Mankind wins. That was around nine seconds, I think. I love this match. I gave it four stars. Really good. It's just kind of like a good length. I feel like it had like good good wrestling. Like It was only obviously one move, but like it was done really well. Um, I, the I psychology can't... as well. I think the psychology of this match was really, really good. So, yeah. I mean, I know Vince Russo gets a lot of shit for his weird booking, but actually, I think this was a win for him. I, 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 seriously, if you're going to have someone just come out and beat someone in a few seconds, and we do this a few times tonight, yeah. it actually worked really well. It worked I, really well. The comedy of... The bait and switch of Vince McMahon and also about the fact that it's the opening contest. Yeah. And the idea that Vince McMahon on one of his big four pay-per-views in kayfabe was like, yeah, Dwayne Gill's ready to open the show. Yeah. I thought that was very, very funny. And let's be honest, no one wants to see a proper match with Dwayne Gill and Mankind in 1998, do they? Not when there's everyone else on the card. Uh, and I don't there's know. like a tournament with like Stone Cold and The Rock and <laughs> calling Triple H and people. Yeah, we, we do have a lot of other people to get to, I guess. Our next first round matchup is Al Snow taking on Jeff Jarrett. The funnest thing that happens at the start of this match, I guarantee you I mentioned this in my old review, because I've not grown out of liking silly noises in mm -hmm. seven years. Al Snow leaves the rink at the start and just goes, thwonk, like he's some sort of robotic thwomp. It's good, I like that. Well done. Yeah, you, I think you rewound the show. To, to show me that I'm I'm a very mature podcaster <laughs> except in the instances such as this where I've written down Al Snow made Joe go whoa <laughs> 
Yeah, that wasn't how he made me go, whoa. He did a cool move. What was the cool move that he did? You weren't looking at the screen. You were looking away at something else. And he did like a cool move. He, like, I think he did a... Oh, I don't know. Why are you asking me? I don't know any moves. He he got he got Jeff. Yeah. So, oh yeah, obviously, this is Jeff Jarrett. Yeah. Versus, versus Al Snow. And Jeff Jarrett is with Sable and Al Snow is with Head. Uh, Jeff Jarrett's with Deborah. Sorry, he's with Deborah, <laughs> not Sable, because we saw Sable earlier. Yeah, they just showed a little brief, you know, yeah. coming up later type of thing. Yeah. I, I swear to God, they look exactly the same. Yeah, you thought I, when I, when I was like, no, that's Deborah. You're like, yeah, yeah, ha, ha. Like, no, it's, it's Deborah, seriously. <laughs> I just have to take your word for that and yeah. just like, assume you're right, they I guess. On the screen at the same time. Mm, exactly. So this move then. So, yeah, he kind of like. He was, they were outside of the ring. Yeah. And Al, like, used his arm to kind of, like, flip over Jeff yeah. over the stairs. Oh, okay. Around the corner of the ring. So we kind of did, like, a tumble over the stairs and it made a big noise and the stairs went everywhere. Ah. And also it looked really gross because he kind of landed on his back on the corner of the stairs. Was this your first time seeing Al Snow and Jeff Jarrett? I think it's my first time seeing Jeff Jarrett, except for. A recent thing with him in the Royal Rumble. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. yeah. But, like, he didn't do anything. I think he had a guitar and smashed his yeah. guitar or something. He got, got hit by Elias, I think, hit him with the guitar. Right, yeah. That. I didn't think much of him in that, to be honest. Do you think much of him? I mean, this was a fairly standard, you know, this is what the mid-card was kind of like in WWF at the time. Did you, did, did you think much of Jeff or, or Al? Did you enjoy these guys? Yeah, they were. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a high pitch. Whoa. Um <clears throat> Yes, I did enjoy. I liked them. No, it, uh, they were they were okay. I thought Al was pretty good. Do you like the, thought... the gimmick with the heads? Had you seen that before? I'm familiar with head. Yes, Al Snow carries a head with him. Yes, and he Fans fucking love it. I forgot yeah. how over it was. They how were did ch- you forget how I know how over it was? And I wasn't even there. But like, on a, it's just strange when you have like a tournament that includes like the names you mentioned, like Steve Austin, the Undertaker, yeah. There? And like one of the loudest chants of the night is yeah. people chanting "We want head" and then yeah. just head, 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 yeah. head. It's so over. But like it, that penetrated the mainstream as much really? as like, oh yeah, absolutely. That was like I, I was familiar with head. Really? I didn't know who Al Snow was, but I knew about head wow. because it's obviously because of the name. Boys at school would be like, oh, 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 want some head. Uh, well, that's uh, his. Uh... Uh, I want uh, some head, uh, and then he'd be like, "What? Like a blowjob?" Like, no, uh, yeah, no, uh, that head from uh, wrestling. Now, in Very fairness, Ma- uh, the 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 character of Al Snow was a lot sweeter than those uh, Dumbo boys were letting on. I want him to be, of course, you know... duh. But this is the audience that you have. I isn't love it? the theme song. Was obviously leading into that. Did you? Did you? No. Ca- oh, so it goes. What does everybody want? Everyone chants head. What does right. everybody need? Head. Right. What does everybody love? Yeah. Head. You never hear it called head anymore, do you? No, that's a very nineties thing, isn't it? I think it's a good it's a good phrase. I think it sounds like less crude than, you know, other words. Head. Head. Yeah. There's something it's I don't know, it's gonna sound weird, but it sounds like bitty or something like oh, that. Oh like... you've put me right <laughs> off it. Thanks very much. Oh no. <laughs> but yeah, no, I'm I'm aware of head and of, yeah, it's it's silly, isn't it? It's a fun, silly thing that kind of doesn't make sense. And I think it's perfect for slightly weird wrestling fans because yeah. obviously Al Snow is weird, head is weird, wrestling is kind of weird, but like within wrestling itself, this is kind of a weirder part of wrestling. So I think it yeah. makes perfect it's kind of edgy and alternative and yeah. I think it's one of those things where if you're managing to be edgy without being 
out. Like, if one thing like Alison would come around and say, like, hey, you want a blowjob? Yeah, no, he's you more know. chaotic. Yeah. Which was very in at that time. I thought, I loved Al Snow so much as a kid. Oh, uh, yeah. So much. Hey, like, this stuff here where Al Snow's got, like, Mr. Socko tied around the, the head of head, like, for me, like, you know, I'm there playing with Teddy Wolf. Like, yes, I I, I, I like to pretend as well. Like, you know, I just, it, I feel wrestling misses that little innocence. I'm talking about a show that contains some of the raunchiest, least innocent things ever. But like, I you felt. Reckon? Yeah, I think, I'll, I mean, the Attitude Era, unquestionably. Oh, so I mean, this show particularly. Pretty sure there's an embalming the, the week after this on television, like, you know. <laughs> so yeah, it's just. I feel like stuff like that, that connects with kids, you know. But should it, though, given what it's referring to? Because, I like, mean, there were a lot of 12-year-olds and 11-year-olds. Like, bear in mind, I would have been eight mm, when this was shown. Yeah, that's And true. I think I first heard the term head being used to refer to, like, oral sex when I was, like, nine. Yeah. So... And I was I was doing the DX, you know... Suck, suck it. it. I, yeah. I, I told you at the time, like, in Mullen Gar, the guy's like, do you really get to suck it? I was like, I'm... 12 please old man leave me alone so there's yeah I I just feel like surely nowadays in WWE I get a bit with you know the the Firefly Funhouse I guess and things like that I think if I was a kid I'd be well drawn to to a rambling rabbit and the likes of that (laughs) but I think it's the fact where it's not just dedicated to one person The the fact that it feels like there are multiple characters who have this kind of strangeness to them yeah and the fact that it's something we've mentioned before. Like at this time, wrestling had this proper, like, extended universe. Like head is a character. Head isn't just a prop. Like head, head has their own like feuds and storylines yeah. and like friendships and stuff. Like other wrestlers in the show will often refer to head or take head. Like there's lots to do with head. It's not like it's not like the equivalent of like. Actually, I honestly can't think of an equivalent. Like, there's there's no prop that's given that much. No, Mitch the Plant, what are you talking about? Pretty sure he's getting a run in AEW soon. <laughs> 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 Mitch the Plant is all elite. <laughs> look, look, right, before you make fun of Mitch the Plant, just watch Being the Elite and you'll see all the story get fleshed out and it'll make sense then. I would right? love that if they, like, they, they did a thing in AEW. It's like, we're bringing back one of John Moxie's original rivals from the WWE. Oh, look at my running buddy, like, you know, it's been a long time since it, you know, you open up the door, like, like, shit, man, how long have we been doing this? Throw him the shield uniform. <laughs> Put in the fist, there's like a little plant leaf. <laughs> a frond. <laughs> a frond. Do that, you cowards. <laughs> so we get lots of interference from Deborah towards the end of this match. She picks what? up... What do you mean? She did nothing. She picked up heads, Joe. No, okay. Come on. Hang on. This is totally... Because I have... This is going to make... Right, you saying that makes me look bad because my notes specifically say... Deborah's standing around doing literally nothing. She, and she the put reason... her hands on her hips. Fucking <laughs> hell. Calm yourself down, okay? Lower that blood pressure. Take a cool drink. Jim Ross says, Deborah can... Deborah's what is can easily be described as a Jezebel when literally all she'd done is like put her hands on her hips yeah, which is like, fairness, I yeah. know that Jezebel putting her hands how dare she have a human form he said that right at the it was like the bell rang it's like ding 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 she's a Jezebel I think he called her the dic- dictionary definition of a Jezebel as yeah. well but yeah, she she picked up head later on, and obviously as a, as a little boy, I was very sensitive about about anyone messing with head. You right. know, very upset. You by don't that. you don't want Deborah to to give you head. See, this is the thing, right? This is the thing. They they struggle with this bit because you think it's as easy as that, but everyone in the WWF who's a writer is Michael Scott, and they're like, "Ha ha, Deborah's got a hold of." Head. head. <laughs> oh, you know what that means. No, what they should do is be like, 
Give Al Snow head. Give it back. Give, Give him, him head. head already. Yeah. Come on, he deserves head. Yeah. yeah. I swear to God, they never went that far with this. No, I'm actually happy they didn't do that because that's fucking a bit on the nose. Yeah, this is a bit have, much anyway. We have no content for our podcast then. Like, uh, where's where is the the silly gimmick from a woman? insisting that she gets her puss eaten well actually funny you mentioned there was miss kitty who was <laughs> really? miss kitty miss kitty who does jerry lawler yeah i know jerry lawler's bride they, they had a bit with her and may young once and it was it was like right after austin powers had come out and it was like hey give me that dick and then it was like, like a picture of richard nixon but then she had she's like oh look at you no that was this May goes, look at your cute little pussy. It's so adorable. And then she turned around and she had like a jumper with a little cat on it. And she's like, I love my pussy. And that was, that was that joke that they did. Well, that's not, that's not the same. I want, I want a chaotic like Al Snow character Mm. who goes around demanding head. I do like the fact that, you know, if it was going to happen, it should have happened in the Attitude Era because we, we just came from, you know, doing Jake the Snake Roberts where, you know, you were pointing out how everyone seemed to have an animal of some sort. And here you've got you know the man with a mannequin's head against the man with the guitar. Like there's a lot of props. A here lot tonight. of props. Yeah, definitely. I think it really helps because I I don't think I would have you know thought much of Jeff Jarrett or remembered him as a kid. No, if it's he true. Didn't have a guitar. It's totally true. It's an easy little gimmick to remember someone by. And he's got a lot of help. He's got a guitar and a Deborah. So you know. <laughs> <laughs> so Deborah picks up head, and then Al picks up the guitar, and then Al gets hit in the head, but then he hits Jeff with the head, so Al wins, and that is how matches end in 1998, folks. Yeah. It was a fine match. It's okay. Yeah. I think it was held greatly by the fact that the fans adored Al Snow. Yeah. What did you give it as a rating? I gave it 3.5 stars, really? which I think was generous. That's far more generous than I thought you would yeah, go. I think I think I was in a really good mood after that like nine-second match with Mankind and Dwayne Gill. I was just like, feeling good. Like, I'm in a good mood. And you know, I liked as well that we got the one or two times in this and every match where they cut back to Vince McMahon and the yeah. gang. It's not just that Vince cares about Austin. Vince had something yeah. to say about Everything, Al Snow and yeah. Jeff Jarrett. And, and even all. when he hasn't got something to say, you see him kind of talking to Patterson and Briscoe and they're all kind of like, what's the word? Um, huddled. Huddled yeah. and whispering to each other and strategizing, it seems. And I like that it's not like kind of, here comes the camera and here's Vince McMahon going, boy, that was a great match, wasn't it? The next match, though, involving, and you know, use the pronoun, don't use pronouns, pal. <laughs> it's just like, you go back to him and he's just kind of low, he doesn't yeah. want you to hear, he's like, kind of, well, if this guy wins this match, then we'll yeah. do this. And, you know, he's probably he- like, literally saying like, do you want to come over for dinner tonight, this weekend? <laughs> like, Linda's going to cook us a mean meal, um, the kids will be there, it'll be, it'll be a grand time. But he's doing it in character, yeah. and so are they so it just looks great it's just yeah it's just a show isn't it it's fun and also back in 1988 we knew how to look at a television amazing isn't it it was easier though when they were so small yeah because only one little place to look at instead of like now where they're like whoa and we'd all crowd around the little telly yeah. in the days to watch Survivor Series <laughs> coming up next it's our next first round matchup as the big boss man Vince McMahon's new head of security he's only been back for a couple of weeks it's taken on Stone Cold Steve Austin, who, because of the Deadly Games set, has got a large skull buff going for him here yeah, tonight. Yeah, he's extra sparkly. Now, it says a lot about the star power of Steve Austin. Because I find always the very early episodes of How To, like, I always worry about Steve Austin. It was so early, you had such little context. Mm. You knew about, I think we'd done John Cena and Hogan, yeah. maybe, I think. <laughs> like, you had such little context. Yeah. I really felt like I didn't give you any sort of, like, 
this is what it actually means you for him. You can't do that, though. You can't yeah. give someone that. You can only lead them yeah. to water. You can't make them drink the stone-cold Steve Austin juice. And when Austin was walking out here and you were just, like, unprompted, full of, like, star power praise and talking about how he just has this look and how you can see why he's so cool and, like... What was it about, like, just that immediate image that you get of him? Because when Austin comes out, it's like, this is a different show all of a sudden. There's, he's just so well-crafted, isn't he? He's just, like, a really polished stone. Like, a really... Like, he's just so finished. Yeah. Like, he knows exactly who he is. He knows exactly what his character is. Like, having done the episode, you can tell, I think, that this is a man who was very worried he would be given a really shit gimmick yeah. and has, is like so grateful that he's been given something that he he understands yeah. and can identify with and can run with because he's just got total confidence. You can tell again, like with Vince, he's having fun and it's just, the look is great. Like the vest with the skull on and the, the like no body hair. I mean, I've mentioned before how much I love a hairy man, but Stone Cold rocks the like the weird plastic Ken doll body. Yeah, it's, and it's not, you know, Austin never gets the kind of like, oh, look at Mr. City Slicker over here with his shaved yeah. chair. I, had the, I think also having the hairy armpits is what saved him right, a lot of the time. I see. It made yeah. him seem a little bit rugged, but not because intimidating. He is, he's very pretty. He's got beautiful eyes. He's got lovely eyelashes. He's Like I said, he's sparkling. Like He comes out with like sweat on him, but very artistically covered he sweat. He pours the, the bottle of water yeah. over him, but you know he's got the, the silver embellishments on the vest and all that. Honestly, you know. he just looks like when... Edward Cullen in Twilight like steps into the sun in the Vatican he's like look at me look what a monster I am and it's like gorgeous sparkling vision Uh, I wonder what actually just on that did did you know that in Twilight if you become a vampire you get a special vampire skill oh I figured you would Yeah, yeah based on what you were good at in real life so I wanted to ask you what Stone Cold Steve Austin's special vampire skill would be so like Edward Cullen can read minds well, Austin definitely can't do that. No, like. you can't use someone else's skill. You've got to come up with your own. Edward Cullen, he can read his watches, man. You know what my watch is saying? What? <laughs> <laughs> I would think if there's some sort of, like, I know the, the vampires have, like, is, is glamouring a thing in the Twilight universe? What's that? It's like the vampiric influence, how you can kind of, it's kind of like Jedi mind powers almost, how you can kind of use your, sometimes it's just like literally like mind control, but other times it's implied that it's like your presence and sometimes even your sensuality can kind of just make somebody like, yeah, I'll do what you want. Interesting. Because there's you know, not a character exactly like that, no. So that know, would be a good one. The idea of, you know, Austin, you're like scary heel Austin hugging you really closely, like really? looking at us, you're my best friend. <laughs> Promise we will be friends forever. And yeah. also like just saying, what? Yeah. What? Until, until they confuse. <laughs> Them. <laughs> break him down yeah there. so there are special rules in effect for austin's match against the big boss man namely the big boss man can do kind of whatever he wants to do to steve, to steve austin like low blow him etc how long have we been recording at this point just uh, for my reference 45 minutes i have gone a whole 45 minutes and a pee break and a pee break without once mentioning how sexy boss man is wow well done me well done joe well done. Uh, <laughs> Nearly went a whole hour. No. And he was on screen quite a lot. Like, there were a lot of times where I was like, I, so much. I could mention here how sexy Boss Man is, but... Look, we might as well get out of the way here. It's the night of the big Boss Man. I can't remember on the episode if you talked about him being a hunk or not. I'm pretty sure I did. 
but like he's got a very much like the Shields dad oh. vibe tens a million here tonight. Love it. Honestly, I think I think I need to get you a swap outfit, <laughs> some little black gloves. You just don't get a dog or anything, a right? Coffin for you to like steal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, honestly, just don't get a dog. <laughs> but yeah, Boss Man's got like just this great look and he's yeah, I, I love him being Vince's like little guy. Yeah, like Vince's henchman. Yeah, his henchman, exactly. He fits the role of henchman absolutely perfectly. Mm. And I like that, you know, I often praise the Outsier, and I did it in the first season of the show, of the Outsier podcast particularly, the fact that he had a lot of these kind of bigger-than-life cartoon characters. And I always use examples like Kane and The Undertaker and Mankind, you know, guys who are Goldust, people who wear masks and colours and all that. But, like, the big boss men in Austin are just as big a cartoon yes, characters. definitely. But it's, like, you know, a lot more... Grain, you know, real world cartoon characters. Yeah. If that makes sense, you know, I, I think Austin is not like you can see the people were going to go. All right, I want to be like him because I'm going to point at the, the demon Kane rather than young Adam Bibb logo. I want to be him, <laughs> like you know. But I feel that Austin has a very like realness to him while mm. still being completely over the top. Yeah, and I think the boss man, while he seems over the top in terms of a cruel interpretation of law enforcement, is probably a little bit like on the nose for people these days seeing a sadistic Oh yeah, lawman. for sure. Yeah, I don't... Yeah. Watching boss man getting beaten up and humiliated gets better oh, with age. it's so good. It's got like strange new meanings now. Yeah. It's fabulous. Seeing the man in the rebel tattoo get beaten the shit out of his I want to see him get ripped out of his, uh, his SWAT gear. <laughs> back to Cobb County with you. <laughs> Did you like the soft grunts by the big boss man? Uh, oh, I didn't notice any soft uh, grunts. Huh. He's, he's very, very soft yeah. in this. <laughs> it is unseemly how much these fans love Stone Cold Steve Austin. It, oh, like, it, yeah. make, it makes watching the matches magical. Yeah. You were freaking out about his moves. Like, I think most he's of so our, good. But like, most of his moves are like punches, I kicks, know, but it's the, way, it's the way he does it. It's with such... It's like an anime. He does like he the, does... the Luthes press where he dives onto you yeah. and starts pounding you with punches. Like was it Kenny Omega? We mentioned there's some or AJ Styles. Yeah, no, someone Kenny, we mentioned yeah. who does the the, anim, the the animation. Like when you are playing a video game or watching a cartoon, you'll see them do like the forward, the yeah. backward throw. I've not explained this well because it's an audio podcast. The, but... the idol and it's like Kenny Omega before he moves somewhere, he'll point and then he'll do like the big like the arms yeah. go behind. He's like, I'm going to run now. Yeah, yeah he's just, like a character in a game. Yeah, yeah. it just emphasizes kind of what you're about to. do do and stone cold does that it doesn't matter that he's doing really simple punches because he will move his arm all the way back mm. and then all the way forward so fast and he'll fucking run at the same time so he's like running into you and knocking you over and also he'll do it with this like angry face on that he in... looks like a rhino it's kind of like uh they're panto punches in a sense you know not that they look bad they look really good but it's the fact that they're so big and over the top they'll read for the back of the audience so. i wish panto had had punches in or fighting of any kind that would be great he's going to do the stone cold stunner behind <laughs> you the match is going austin's way who's gathering an advantage on the boss man who takes out the nightstick and slowly beats austin up the crowd are devastated by this vince is like literally getting off on it though he's like oh. <laughs> some of the idle chatter like because they're in five minutes of austin selling <laughs> yeah, the idle chatter you pointed out that vince turns to like <laughs> briscoe and say you're right that is a big stick <laughs> <laughs> i knew he'd beat him with a stick but i didn't think it'd be this thing that's amazing i like jr who like 
I love that JR gets like personally upset when Austin gets victimized. Yeah. He's, he's like pointing at Jay Boston going, damn you, damn you. And Boston just starts slamming on the announce desk with the nightstick. Can I just say, JR and King, if you ever needed an advertisement of why these two are like the voice of the Attitude I thought they were excellent tonight. <laughs> King with his turf fringe. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I just felt like King was obnoxious without being like I felt he didn't cross the line he wasn't like overtly fucking racist or like horrible like at points like he usually is he seemed to me like something was wrong really yeah he seemed anxious or nervous or not not in his best self I don't know I don't know if I'm totally like coming out of nowhere with this but I just wonder if this was any time around near the whole allegations and when he was like kind of taken to jail and no this would have like been that. around three four years after that okay so is this then close to the time when he ran over that lady's foot that would have happened a year or only six months to a year after this okay well something happened one we don't know about he did something shit he it, looks not not on form but I don't. I don't think that Jerry's like underpowered here. So I no, no. I prefer and, him like yeah, this. Yeah, it, it felt like it's kind of like when you've got like a really dangerous wild animal, and then mm. you kind of tranquilize them a bit, just to bring them down and make them a bit a more bit gentle. Like slow yeah, slow down a little. Yeah, bit slow down a bit. Yeah. I feel this is my theory on it is that because they knew they were going to see so much of Vince McMahon and hear so much from the corporate team throughout the night, it's almost as if they didn't need to have the heel commentator hammering at home like non-stop like Jerry normally would because right. they knew that Vince would be there so Jerry's just like 7 out of 10 as opposed to 10 out of 10 in terms mm. of his heel cheerleading and they did kind of point out as well JR did like a, a few lines where he's like I don't know what you're kissing Vince McMahon's butt for he's coming out here saying silly guy on a cowboy hat and a crown we should be out of here he says we're just gimmicks like so he's like you know watch yourself where you know he'll get rid of us next <laughs> which i think is really funny the is like i don't like kings and cowboys <laughs> so austin is just lying in a heap wincing i was surprised like austin somebody you don't usually get to see show a lot of vulnerability he is vulnerable here tonight Say that, but i think stone cold is low-key one of the best sellers i think that's part of the reason why i love him so much he's like totally fine with being over the top with his yeah his selling yeah but he's managed to find a way where it's like damn i've been hurt really hard yeah but also i'm a badass so i'm gonna fight through it yeah but very often i find a lot of wrestlers do this i think a lot of people like uh, moxley are, are guilty of this yes. cena is very guilty mm -hmm. of it as well where it's like I'm a badass, I've been beaten up, but I want to show you that I'm a badass, so I'm just not going to sell now. And it's like, no, you do like Austin, because Austin, he comes out, he still does that bad motherfucker walk, but yeah. he's a little bit of a limp, a little he, bit of a wince. Austin will use the pain that he's supposed to be in to get himself worked up he's in angry, character. Yeah. yeah, He'll he'll let that pain, that fictional pain, go through his body and let it fuel him. So then it kind of riles him up and then it makes him like power up. Yeah. Whereas like so many other wrestlers, as you say, just skip that step. They're just like, I don't feel pain. I'm John Cena. And it's like, all right, guys, I know you're wrestling for so long that you're sweating profusely at this yeah. point, but there's more to it than just yeah. what they look exhausted. I want to see the actual action of it. So Austin wins question mark yes because boss man used his nightstick which means that he's disqualified so austin advances to the next round i'm a bit confused by that though because yeah. that means austin gets to the next round right yeah but why does vince want that because like vince clearly wanted boss man to use the nightstick yes. so when they cut back with michael cole and vince cole's like well, why did that happen then because austin's advanced into the tournament and vince is like you call that advancement 
So I think Vince is basically getting greedy. He's like saying, oh, yeah, no, Austin will be eliminated, but I want him to be in the tournament for a bit longer. Right, yeah. He have him get beat up a bit more. Yeah, he kind of says, you ain't seen nothing yet. Yeah. Ooh, the night is young. <laughs> Coming up next, Jesus Christ, I didn't think we'd be seeing this. X-Pac. You think you've seen him as the one, two, three kid? Yeah. He was on the Shane episode as well. Taking on a real man's man. A man who mixes cement on his own, even makes his own orange juice. And he shaves. Such a man. Such a man. (laughs) Now, watching the real man's man is obviously like a fucking roller coaster of emotions. When we did the episode, obviously we did the episode with William Regal. It was a real, real absolute delight to you because we were so fortunate to have someone who's friends with William Regal and someone who's great friends with us, Matt Ricardo, one of the most impressive magicians I've ever seen in my life and one of the greatest entertainers I've ever seen and a lovely guy. But I kind of, out of human decency, I didn't want to spend ages talking with the man's friend about the man's troubles. And particularly, I don't want to be like, hey, let's watch the real man's man. What was it like when your friend was like, I just thought like, no one needs to, to hear yeah. that or experience that. So obviously, you may not have seen... We we knew of the gimmick. We talked about it. Yeah. But you hadn't seen him wrestle and the whole actual production of the real man's man gimmick. No, I'd just seen him like do an entrance or two. So what were your thoughts You know, when the, the steam whistle hit and out came the real man's man? He's so handsome. Isn't he? Fucking He's hell. so handsome. Like, wow. He's such a... Wow, what a handsome man. What a handsome, handsome man. But, like, you know, Regal is his age spectacularly. I know, he's still so handsome. I'm just so impressed the way he's managed to go through, like, so many different looks. Like, I kind of, when I, I see William Regal now, and I'm like, oh, yeah, sexy older man, very hot. But, like, I never would have been like, oh, yeah, but I bet when he was younger, he was also really hot. Like, that's just not where my mind went. But, like, he's managed to evolve through all these different, very hot periods and i just i aspire to be that he inspires me a lot i just yeah i want that for myself so steven regal here then like for me there's a bit of a i mentioned a roller coaster because anytime i see a wrestler and i know like it's not just kind of speculation like you know can you watch a sad man match like he could be probably is drunk yeah but watching a regal match here or it's like, you know, there's another wrestler, Perry Saturn, who Adam and I are watching a lot of. And he said in a shoot interview, he was like, hey, my entire run in WWE, I was on crystal meth. And he's like, there's not a single time I was on television where I was sober. Wow. Not once. And he's like, could you believe it? And I was like, no, because you're an amazing wrestler. Could you tell something was off with, with, with Steve Regal here? Was he different? Did he give across any sort of a vibe that would make you think as a fan watching at the time that this guy is going through some sort of a trauma or an issue around no nothing nothing at all no he looks he looks well he looks healthy i mean he's a bit sweaty and a bit pale he's sweaty a bit pale and maybe a bit like doe-eyed um but that's like i i hadn't seen much of him wrestling anyway from when he was younger so like to me i was just like so blown away that like here's this young william regal Mm. that like i kind of didn't know what to expect maybe if i had seen other things from that era where he's not like that but i mean you had seen him from we did like a wcw match from like 96 or 7 or thereabouts where he was you know he would have been younger than here and he was he was really good shape and all that but i guess it's hard to tell you know someone's body what they're going through when he's got an awful amount of kit on him here 
yes, the outfit is really, really bad. I hate how half-hearted this whole thing is. Like, mm. he's wearing his actual outfit, like his original outfit, but with the wrestling boots and everything underneath. And is it supposed to be a lumberjack or a labourer or a builder or like a I building contractor? Because yeah. he's wearing a cut-sleeve lumberjack checkered shirt. Yep. Sleeve a black tee underneath. A black tee underneath. A builder's, a yellow builder's protective helmet. And they're not jean shorts, like cut off jean shorts like Austin. They are literally like short jeans. Yes. As in they're John ple- Cena. pleated at the bottom. They're designed to be like this. Yeah. And then of course, yeah, he's got the the standard Willy Regal bright maroon knee pads. He probably has the, the tights underneath yeah. with the, the, the bright boots and the, the socks with the stripe and all that. It's so shit. It's uh, yeah. really bad. Like I'm amazed that Maybe that's like the biggest indicator then that something's not right here because I feel like William Regal would, in his right mind, go, what the fuck is this? What am mm. I wearing? Come on, mate. Like, let's do half of this. Well, when he said before about this gimmick, he, the, the main thing he said was, it's what I deserved. Yeah. And I just have this image in my head I can't shake where it's like, he shows up to the arena, he gets dressed into his regular tights and then he goes up to Vince Russo or whoever and it's like, right, keep tell me what to wear keep putting stuff on me until you're happy and then tell me to go out because Regal almost feels like he is wrestling and doing a character that is in complete isolation to what he is wearing the way he walks out he's still doing the Regal stuff a little bit he's super Regal like the sneer the the sneer the facial expressions the way he's talking honestly the way he fights like he there's nothing about this character that is appropriate for the character and you can see immediately that he's supposed to be this like silly fancy posh english guy it's obviously like what he's purposed to do like yeah. it's he's so good at it like, russo can't wait to drop the fucking bombshell you know big big gut wrenching line about how the real man's man is secretly gay like oh, that's that's gosh. where they want to go with this there was one thing that he did that was like okay that's definitely a real man's man thing and not a steven regal or william regal thing where he like did a big wind up oh yeah and then he did a bicep pose that made me laugh it was like a monty python dance or something (laughs) like that but look i've talked about how he had issues and how you know he was very down on this you know the character he looks like he's been put together from you know like a children's identikit or something like that but fucking hell the man can wrestle this oh yeah amazing it's so good. And I really like the combination of their two styles of wrestling. Which yeah, is something... spinny and fast kicks from Xbox yeah. and then the kind of throws and such from Regal. Yeah. Another thing that I love about what Regal does in this match is that he makes a lot of very silly noises and grunts. <laughs> yes. Like when he's falling off the rope or he's being tossed, he literally goes like, Whoa! That makes like grappling and stuff like where they're chain wrestling so much more interesting to me you know to me my favorite thing is the selling that he does and there's a moment where he gets like put in an ankle lock or something like that some kind of submission move and he literally screams in agony like it sounds like he's being tortured or something and i love that it's It's great that's what i want more more proper agonizing screaming in wrestling so we had one of the all-time great commentary mix-ups here oh, during no. this match. I mean, it's a classic. We've all been there, haven't we? What, to Blackpool? Yeah, <laughs> I often mix up Steve Blackman with Blackpool. Maybe that should be my next wrong wrestling shirt design. It's like, Blackman Pleasure Beach? Like a picture of Blackpool Pleasure Beach that says Steve, Steve Blackman. Blackman. You, oh, you've got to do that, show. You've got to. So yeah, we're here for around three or so minutes where JR is like, Blackman there with the offense. Blackman, you don't want to mess with Blackman. Black, and then and Jared's Jer saying it over and over and King just goes, Blackman's not in the tournament. He's not in the deadly games. And then Jared goes, 
sorry, I was mixing it up. And then King goes, with who? And then he goes, oh, with Blackpool, where Stephen Regal is from. So he was calling Stephen Regal Steve Blackman. Yes. Because Stephen Regal is billed from being from Blackpool. Yes. And the word black is in black man is, and in yeah. Blackpool. And also it's Steve Blackman and Stephen Regal. So it's very Look, easy. it's Steve Blackman from Regal, Pennsylvania. I don't know <laughs> what the fucking issue is here. It's ridiculous. <laughs> but hey, I can't wait until this whole lockdown business eases up so we can finally head back to Blackman Pleasure Beach. Uh. You know, going on going on the Wallace and Gromish <laughs> low, low energy roller coaster. It's going to be great. Can't wait. <laughs> you know Regal's doing something right when he gets a massive Regal sucks chance from the crowd. Oh yeah, very good. Yeah. I, I the one thing I think that happened that I was like, oh, okay, Regal's maybe not where he would normally be mentally is that there were a few spots he did like submission holes and stuff where he was like facing the wrong way, like his yes, back was to the camera. That's true. But I don't think that's exclusive to him. I was shocked watching this. The amount of things they missed on camera yeah and i think you know you gotta bear in mind it's the year it is like this is still early days in terms of like having a hard cam and having like multiple camera setups and pay-per-views and things like I, i'm not saying that it's like it doesn't exist yet i'm just saying they obviously haven't found like a perfect formula for getting it right all the time well i think it's, it's something that cannot probably be understated enough is the fact that with you know they've been obviously vince has been doing pay-per-view since 84 yeah but you know a pay-per-view which was like howard finkel in the ring introducing a match then a match with no music and then another match and then another match and then another match and then maybe you get a backstage interview this you've got fucking backstage we're driving out into the street later you've got stuff with you know people who are making their way to the ring through corridors you keep coming back to vince you cut back to this person that it's a very complicated production i imagine the script the director's script for this is a lot thicker than the first wrestlemania somehow yes we get some more cool submission counters from william regal even even though i've seen this match many times and i know what the man's capable of i still wrote down how is william regal doing this things like going up on the top rope and throwing your much smaller opponent you know over your shoulder essentially with a confidence that you know they're going to be safe like Woo! Yeah. It's scary. It's real. I mean, is it like it's like drink driving, I guess, in that respect. You know, and the fact that, hey, you may be in control of your, you know, you may think you may be like Dean Lerner, like, well, I happen to believe I can drive just as well when I'm drunk or whatever. You know, you're wrestling high or whatever it is. It's just one slip up, though, you know, and that's it. Oh, God. I, yeah, I, honestly, I don't. I, uh, the, the better matches are with people who are like, I know are fucked up in them. It always just makes me kind of go... It's even more of a miracle that, like, because, you yeah. know, because they're doing, like, Regal's doing high risk stuff. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. What do you think of the Bronco Buster from Xbox? It's when Regal sat in the corner like this, and then Xbox oh, yeah. goes. Ugh. The May Young move. The May Young move. I just, I know she did it to Eric Bishop with her <laughs> pants full of sardines, so I would just associate that with her. Yeah, that was a fine move not as good as when may young did it though yeah obviously may young is the the, the the one who mastered that move. yeah oh also i can't believe i didn't mention this at the start of us talking about this match but there was another slip up we got mm. in the titles oh shit yeah where x park was billed as the urpoian <laughs> championship all right just go and get out of oral pun is it meant to be european yeah european European. See, this is why we need Brexit. We need to leave this European 
Er, sorry, I, I have to look at Joe's laptop here to to. Erpoian. Erpoian. Get Erpoians. Don't, don't look at that word. Chamimian shit. I wrote that wrong. <laughs> I think I think the word European wrong messed up my brain. All oh, right, yeah, yeah. You got to get the Europopians off our land. Off our chamampamanship. <laughs> Xbox gets crotched on the top rope, and Jerry Lawler goes, "Ha ha! Two words for you." His dick? I don't know. His dick. Yeah. They brought outside. We get a double count out. And what transpires here is very peculiar. Because they both get counted out. And Vince McMahon is like, get out to the ring. Overtime. Right now. Sudden death. And Howard Finkel's like, ladies and gentlemen, sudden death. And then X-Pac, the good guy, is like, uh-uh. And then Regal walks away. And then that's it. Both men are gone. I didn't realise that's even what happened. Yeah. That Wow. So it was a double count out, meaning neither yeah. man advances. Because they said at the start, only winners advance. Yeah. So double count out, neither man advances. Then Vince McMahon is like, absolutely not. Send someone else out there. They have to fight. Because Wait, send someone else to fight who? Send so, so like a referee out or whatever it is. Tell them to, to start the match five minutes over time. So Regal and X-Pac are meant to start wrestling again. I think it was because they wanted Austin to have an opponent in the next round. Right. But... The guy, they didn't do it. They made say X Pac like I was like, ah, I don't want to wrestle anymore. Yeah, you know, so I, it was kind of weird. What was the reason for him not doing it then? I think it was just meant to be like, hey, even though Austin got laid out by Boss Man, Fortune has smiled upon him, and that Austin now has got a buy in the next round because neither of his opponents have advanced. So that's okay. It's, it's, this is meant to be like, yay for Austin, but I don't think you want to be like kind of go, man, Steve Austin. I hope the two people who are wrestling in his qualifying round get him. Yeah. Counted out, so he does. He gets a buy. Especially considering those people are X Park and Stephen Regal. Like, yeah, probably both people who would love this opportunity to like be in a match type like this, and also go up against Stone Cold, and also like Stone Cold would definitely win against. And also as well, we've already used the buy for Undertaker and Kane to be yeah. like a heel thing, like it's undeserving. So Austin has one now. Except on the matchup graphic for the rest of the night in the tournament, it says that Austin is facing Count Out. Yeah. So I can't wait to see that one. Your match rating then for Regal and X-Buck and a gem from a very different match on this pay-per-view, I think. Yeah, I gave it 3.5 stars, which I think in hindsight was harsh. If, there's no way this is as good as the last match. I know, exactly. Him. So what, are you going to reduce your rating for the previous match or give this one a higher rating then? I'm... Oh no! I think I've just got to keep it as is because like I can't start retconning my own score. That's fine. Because like if I'm changing this one, I have to change the first one. Like if I'm gonna change it, like the first one will probably be a three, and this would be a four. Well, are you, are you telling me now that you're telling me there's a wrestling journalist here now who's who's covering wrestling with a star rating system, and you're telling me that sometimes your mood kind of changes and might it might just be influenced by the moment of the time and it's in, in question. Um, no, that's not what I'm saying at all. My okay. my opinion is objective. Uh-huh. It's just that my opinions are different sometimes. And okay. That's just because I'm right. And also because the quality of the matches does change depending on my opinion on it. So it's kind of like, it's like quantum physics. Like me, ah. me observing the match mm. and having an opinion on the match that decides whether or not that match is as good or as bad as I decide it is. You know, I think as well, I hate those cowards who are like, you should should think about how you rated other matches that are similar in yeah. light of this match. Yeah. Cowards. You know, that's what I think they are. <laughs> <laughs> Coming up next, more first round action as soon to be immortalized in a how-to wrestling episode. 
Ken Shamrock. Make sure you get your tweets in for that one, folks. Is taking on the still wrestling Goldust. And Goldust is 32 here. Wow. That's fucking ridiculous. He's your age. He's my age here. Jesus. That makes, you know what? That makes me feel so fucking good. Yeah, doesn't I it? It should. So, I love that. Yeah. I got some lovely messages at the start of lockdown from people because we did a thing like a Cinema Swirler episode or something like that where we were like, oh, we, I know it was, it was, we did it on Cinema Swirler. We did it on, on uh, How To as well. I think we were talking about like how we were in early 20s. We didn't know what the fuck we were doing. Yeah. Like, you know, early 20s is like a second adolescence for us. A lot of people are kind of going, oh, that's really nice to hear that because, you know, I'm going through that myself, etc. Solidarity with you in your early 20s. But now this is great. He's 32. And it's like, you know what? If if I, if you're feeling bad in your 30s, if I start suddenly not enjoying where I'm at in life, I'm just going to, like, pay lots of attention to Goldust. Yeah. Fucking going to have a great career renaissance. Quite right. In his 50s. Yeah. Unbelievable. He's so much better now than he is Yeah, here. I know. He's <laughs> way better, yeah. <laughs> Oh my god. What do you reckon? Your first sight of Ken Shamrock. He's got a very modern body, doesn't he? Does modern Ken? body. He's full of abs and arms. Like he's got a very current day wrestler, like top guy body. Like he's got a proper little waist, big mm. shoulders, big muscly arms. Arms don't kind of go down the whole no, way. No, they can't bend either in any direction. Triple H has kind of aimed for this body type, I think. Failed, though. Triple H has not got the, the the sculpture. He's not got the... Like, Ken Shamrock's body, it looks like it's been designed mm. by, like... When we watch Pumping Iron and Arnie's whole thing is, like, about, like, sculpting your own body yeah, and yeah. stuff. Like, I really feel that... I don't think no, Ken Shamrock necessarily did that on purpose, but, like, I, I think that he's he's achieved that. Triple H is, like... I don't know, like a carrier bag full of hams. <laughs> hey, now that's premium ham, though, right? Honey glaze, mm. at the very least, like or, or like a sm- kind of a cool ham, like, <laughs> like old, like a smoked cool ham, ham. <laughs> like, you know, kind of like you know those limited edition hams, your hams that rock, your Metallica released a <laughs> ham, you know, uh, a Liberty and Ham for All, you know, that special ham they were. <laughs> I was just wondering, early days here. Obviously, I'm gonna have to kind of cater to, uh, you have to kind of construct a whole. A meal plan, a tasting course of, uh, mm. of Ken Shamrock for you. But first impressions, you know, the scream, the presence, the body shape. He's a heel here, which is not kind of his natural state. So maybe not the best first sh- showing of Ken, but what do you I reckon? have realised that I keep getting Ken Shamrock mixed up with Steve Blackman. Interesting that. And also with Blackpool. <laughs> obviously. <laughs> I was trying to think if there's any like town names that could be mixed up with Ken Shamrock, but obviously Shamrock's already quite an Irish thing. <laughs> but then there is Shantala, the, the region in Galway City. Oh. So maybe like Ken Shantala, mix, yeah. mix them up again, you know, it's easy, easy <laughs> to do. Yeah, him and him and Steve Blackman kind of are both like martial art guys. They mm-hmm. do real fighting mm-hmm. and they're both like white with the short crew cut thing and they both have <laughs> strong brow and they have brown hair and they both look like a video game protagonist from the 2010s wow that yeah geez put ken shamrock in some battle armor he's yeah. a he's a number three in gears of the war mercenary yeah, yeah. space mercenary honestly brotherhood of steel member <laughs> you know come on ken shamrock's got ken 
you're missing money on the table yeah. because surprisingly despite being 10 years later the video game industry really wants that as well still like, yeah they are know? still like making all of their protagonists look exactly like him would you like to be all of the non-player protagonists in horizon zero dawn sequel <laughs> you can be <laughs> but yeah he's not very interesting though he hasn't got any personality he comes out he does a scream which ah! i feel you you're overhyped yeah you got my hopes up a bit oh, about sorry. that i don't know i just feel like it's when you go go see a movie that like everyone's like been mm-hmm. hyping up for ages and you see it and it's like yeah it's all right i guess need your help folks because they can't have another taz on my hands all right i gotta do gotta do ken justice and he's not got a comedy career in commentary that i can lean back on for for easy handles you know i spent a lot of this match trying to figure out how tall he is because he seems really short mm. but i think that's just because like they say that gold dust is like six foot six on the commentary yeah this, which is like blew my mind he's a long he's a long drink of golden water is uh, yeah. is, is gold dust for sure i was wondering if you picked up anything on ken like because we there was a phrase we had on the Atira podcast which was scary Ken because mm. of his he's quite new to wrestling. I don't know if you could tell that in this match. He's yeah, he only been, a bit scared. <laughs> so you took scared Ken. I meant scary Ken in that I didn't expect this man to be doing that top rope hurricane rana or to be throwing out these big massive kicks. He's one of the last people in the world I think I'd want to wrestle it with because yeah. he seems a bit dangerous. Yeah, the the moves he does don't even look that impressive considering their scary moves. Like, I didn't realise that was a hurricane run that he did. I was just kind of like, eh, He just dove off the top rope, landed legs first onto Goldust, and then it's like, it's your problem now, pal. Yeah. Goldust is like, Ugh! He's not graceful whatsoever. No, there is not grace no. on display here for Ken Shamrock. No, you can tell he's a fighty man. Yeah, I mean, like, the ankle lock, which he slaps on Gold. I mean... It, it shows he's kind of a little bit out of place as well when the biggest spot in the match is when Goldust goes to kick him in the willy for Shattered Dreams. And that is avoided. We get the ankle lock where he does twisting the ankle at an alarming degree. It makes you realise if you're putting an ankle up by Kerrangle, oh, your ankle's facing towards the chin. That's nice. Shamrock literally looked like he was trying to pull off yeah. his ankle. Like he had put himself down at a low point so he couldn't even see Ken's body. He made it look more sore and made himself look less impressive because Angle stands up. You see the whole body like he's a statue. Ken's like squat like a koala bear, but it looks like his leg's going to come off. <gasps> Goldust tries to use this moment to like hype up the crowd who are dead. They're not making any yeah. noise. And he kind of like reaches his hand out as if to be like, Come on, with the power of the audience and the WWE universe, I can I can fight this. That's such old school wrestling, yeah. well, just the hands, you know, and you're reaching out. And it didn't work. No. But I don't blame Goldust, I blame I blame Ken Shamrock. He didn't do anything. He just continued to hold the ankle, yeah. he didn't pull any other faces, he didn't pull tighter, pull harder, ah, he didn't move him in any ah. way. It was like literally he didn't even recognise that there was an audience there. Ken wins, and I've got a lot of work to do for this next episode. <laughs> yes, you do, because I gave this match 1.5 stars. Whoa! You know what's really intriguing? Very often when we're doing modern pay-per-views, it's like good crowd or bad crowd. Mm. Whereas this, it felt like, because you were given 14 people in this tournament, and so many matches and so much stuff to give you, it felt like you were getting, like, you are getting crowd reactions, and then you were getting, like, silence. And yeah. then you getting crowd reactions, then silence. It's very much a damning... Like, if you came back after this, it'd be like, what's wrong, guys? They, they loved everything else tonight. Other than the game. <laughs> yeah, what's, seriously. What's going on? <laughs> Coming up next, the People's Champion, The Rock, taking on Triple H in first-round deadly game action. The Rock, who is spit-made man. This man is spitting like... 
you wouldn't believe it. I can't believe how little I paid attention to the fact that he spits, I think, four times when he comes out here. Yeah. No, I, I lost count of the number of times he spits in this show. What is the, It's not a regular spit, though, is oh, it? Oh, we're going to have this discussion, are we? We might as well. Kevin asked me when we were watching this. I don't think he actually wanted a serious answer. One of the commentators mentioned something about spittle. He was like, was like what is spittle? What's the difference between spittle and spit? So I, I did some research. They are the same. Really? But spit is different from saliva. Hang on a second now. If it's frothy and milky coloured, mm. like, you know, when Brett did that whole yeah. thing on Vince, was like, and like knocked him out with his spit. That's that spit. Okay. Saliva is when it's clear and it begins the breakdown of starches. Interesting. It's so, got yeah. amylase in it. Mm-hmm. So that is very intriguing and to know. And now you know if it's spit or saliva. So it's pretty much spit the whole time for The Rock. Because oh, he's it's all spit. White bullets coming out of The Rock here. Yeah. It's impressive. It's like he's eating loads and loads of tiny bits of paper. He's like, yeah. They're fucking shooting it. It looks cool. Yeah, it does look cool. It's kind of like, but on that note, it means that when you do the cobra, you're not spitting on Sam. You're just salivering n- That's what near I figured, him. Joe. Thank you very much for clearing that up That's there. That's okay. It's very, very good. So, <laughs> The Rock, I felt, you know, when you were saying about Austin coming out looking cool, I felt that the, the Rock had this in spades as yeah. well. Like, he was coming, you know, he had the crowd in the palm of his, his hand and in a way which you don't see with good guys very often, the fact that he's a good guy, people love him, but he seemed cool in that he wasn't like, come on, everyone, yeah. Yes. Didn't give a shit about the people, really. You know, then I mean, he does, though, doesn't he? He does, though, because he, he really the tries hard. Yeah. And like, his whole thing is like hyping up the crowd. Like, he is literally, like, that's, he's the hype man. But he does it in a way that isn't like, come on, guys. Instead, it's kind of like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> and that makes everyone go wild. You sang his theme song every time he came out and every time he won tonight. Did I? Yeah, you were going, The Rock. Oh, the yeah. The Rock. The Rock says. And then I had to form you that there is another line in there. Yeah, you claim that. But you played me the theme and I did not hear it. I was like, listen, it's like The Rock. The Rock says. The Rock says. The Rock. The Rock. The Rock says. No, you're damn wrong. Nah, I think he just says. The Rock 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 says. Yeah. My favourite one was that if you had WBF The Music Volume 5, I think it was. And it had an extended version of The Rock's theme. And at the end, The Rock was like, The Rock's going to take your brand new CD, shine it up real nice, turn it some bit sideways, and stick it straight up your candy ass. And we were like, yay, that's our ass. (laughs) Yeah. Come a long way, Rocky baby. But of course, The Rock's opponent is not here. Who comes out to DX's music? Break it down. It's Pat Patterson and Gerald Briscoe. Mr. McMahon has an announcement that Triple H won't be here tonight. Love, love. You know, Jerry Briscoe, have him on every show as far as I'm concerned. Give him a podcast. What a voice. There you go. Did you like having two old marble-mouthed men confront The Rock? Yeah, it was all right. I didn't love it. I mean, I feel like we've seen quite a lot of them already. I like it though, just the fact that you don't know what's going to happen. Like, will you have a match or will it be a bullshit stipulation? And it's yeah. a bullshit stipulation. But it doesn't work out quite as Vince hopes. That's what I love about it though, where there's like, ah, we've got you. And like, this is a Russo swerve. The Rock's men have faced Triple H. Triple H is in here. Where even is Triple H? You don't know. And then instead he's going to fight the big boss man. It's like, the boss man's just been eliminated. Yeah. And then The Rock beats the boss man in like four seconds. Yeah. 
fucking beautiful. But of course, now having seen the end of the yes. show, because ah. I was confused because Vince was watching this and he seemed quite happy that The Rock immediately got the pin. He wasn't like delighted. He was just, no. but he wasn't furious. Like no, he, he wasn't. Would be. That's the thing. And you can read Vince very well. Like he's so good at acting. Like you can just tell. So I was very confused then because obviously Boss Man is his guy mm-hmm. and he lost immediately and Vince wasn't angry and The Rock goes through, which, yeah, I don't know, confusing, isn't it? So did you reckon that there was going to be like a heel, like a betrayal of some sort during this show? Did you think that was going to happen? Like someone was going to turn out to be the secret villain all along? Like were you thinking at this point, oh yeah, Rock's the Rock's going to be the villain I honestly didn't I tried not to think about it that's cool I just deliberately I yeah I assume generally with these types of shows especially when it's Vince Russo that something swervy will happen yeah but I try not to it's like getting Christmas presents whatever I just try not to think about it because if I guess wrong I might be disappointed and if I guess right then it kind of takes the surprise away so yeah I tried not to oh she's gonna be really excited when she opens season 5 of Arrested Development on DVD oh my god (laughs) You said I'm not allowed to make Game of Thrones. No, because it's Arrested Development now instead. <laughs> I was going to say Orange is the New Black Season 8. <sighs> Come on, baby. The first round is over. The Rock is advanced. Have you got a rating for this long war? Three stars. Hey, there you go. King is looking at the brackets and he's genuinely confused because it's like, bye, count out. <laughs> Who's facing it? And JR just literally says, look at the monitor, King. Just look at the monitor. <laughs> <laughs> he has literally a piece of paper where it's obviously like... Uh, um, the kind of map. <laughs> oh my out. God. The Daedric fonts that they chose probably didn't work. <laughs> yeah. I love that there's Daedric font, but also as well, there's one Deadly Games poster up in the top of the arena where it's the skull but it's got what can I best describe as rainbow rasta lettering that says deadly gang. It's like they bought it in a head shop or something. Cool. Very cool. Coming up next, it's time for our first quarterfinal as the Brothers of Destruction, sorry, the Putrid Pussies collide as the Undertaker takes on his brother, Kane. And the Undertaker is now aligned once again with the evil satanic Paul Bear, which means we get to watch Paul Bear as a manager, which makes this match immediately fun to watch. Yay! Dark guitar for The Undertaker's entrance. Yes, it's great music for him. I, I'm a big fan of The Undertaker's typical music. You know that. Like that. But this one. Oh, it's got choirs in it, Joe, going, ha, ha. It's really gothic and dramatic. Fucking amazing. Yeah, it's very good. The big... Very cool. The one thing about the entrances I didn't like was that Kane Undertaker started fighting before Kane made his full entrance. Mm, yeah. I want to see Kane do the, the, the fireworks in the middle of the ring. It kind of shows you how important it is, I guess, their entrance and their gimmicks is to their character that yeah. I felt cheated I didn't see more fireworks well imagine if you were there live you'd feel really cheated <laughs> at the start of this match they, the announcer said that Kane is immoral and I was like what does that mean and we have to do a little looking up at the difference between immorality yeah. and amorality so amorality is when you just like don't have morals because like you've not been taught to have certain morals like believe in right and wrong it's like you just like had an absence of influence and of education so you can't oh. you haven't got the knowledge in which to decide if something is good or bad so because Kane was raised in isolation yeah. that's why it is yeah he's amoral whereas The Undertaker or Paul Bearer maybe more would be immoral because they know right and wrong and they are choosing to be 
wrong. Ah, of course. And that's why Undertaker's wearing that evil eyebrow piercing to upset Jim Ross, isn't it? <laughs> yes. And so just so we know then, immoral, that's evil, amoral, and ambivalence to the ability to drive stick. That's kind of yeah. what, what we're talking about here. Kane's outfit here. Oh man, let me tell you, that man with one exposed arm shows you what a tank he is. What a fucking beast Kane is. I am obsessed with the idea of getting a sexy Kane outfit for yeah. myself. I'm obsessed. I'm obsessed. Anyone listening to this who like knows how to make clothes <laughs> and you want to like work with me to like make a sexy Kane outfit, I really want one. And it's it's not just you who's you know lacking it wrestling has lacked this because you were asking me like is there any instances of people you know dressing up as wrestlers i think they've done a shoot recently where like alexa bliss did um she did like gold dust and she like wore kind they of the, the robe and did such. a whole different bunch of them yeah but like in terms of kane the only one i could think of was aj lee dressed up as kane once when they were doing like a love triangle with with kane and daniel bryan and aj lee and cm punk so i guess it was a love square or a mm. love rhombus i guess mm. <laughs> or a love diamond the love diamond yeah. oh i love a diamond so she came out and she wore like the Kane mask with some kind of like, but it looked, you said it just looked like Harley Quinn. Yeah. And also as well, there are Kane masks, like the original one here, which I'm sure you could pull off like a, a sexy vibe with. But then there's the Kane mask that has like jowls and forehead wrinkles, div- you know, molded into them. And I don't think that would work very well for a sexy no. mask. So it's, if AJ Lee couldn't make it work, WWE reckons it can happen. So if it is to happen so far, the only sexy Kane we have is, Kane right here <laughs> and he is so sexy he really is like this this pay-per-view is just so full of honks like they're both so honky you know what like i never really thought of the undertaker being like a hunk oh yeah he's cool here but he's so cool here with his eyebrow piercing and they both got like such long luscious hair they both have like typical action hero body type the goth ideal of like yeah you know of 1998 but so tall and strong looking and like if you picked up you know adam billy if the actual podcast patron they review like these image comics that came out around this time and it's like undertaker came as these like big your muscly demons rob yeah. liefeld over the top you know veins bulging that's every comic you pick up i read comics back in these days everyone you pick up it'd be a guy like this mm. it's why i was reading comics when i started watching wrestling but i think even more importantly it's, it's less even to do with the muscles and more to do with the outfits mm. they are both dressed very sexily kane is wearing like a bodysuit he sure like, is everyone looks good in a bodysuit like bodysuits are just sexy they are very tight and form-fitting and they show off everything <laughs> And The Undertaker is wearing, like, classic, cool goth clothes. He's he's just, like, wearing really good jeans, black jeans, and, like, a cool top, and just, like... Shoulder pads. Yeah, they just got, like, a really good, sexy look for both of them in a way that isn't, like, sexual eyes. Like, no man is going to look at either of those two men and go, like, ha, 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 he's just the hot one for women. They're both going to get looked at by everyone and be like, wow, they're cool. There's a stone cold definition of action hunks, Joe. That's yeah. just why it is, you know? And I love that you got Paul Bear in here as well because anytime Ugh. they cut to Bear, the fucking smile, the f- I don't think they cut to Paul Bear once and you didn't have like a, a pop or a reaction of some sort. <laughs> he maximized his minutes. Yeah, he really did. I think, yeah, Paul Bear is my favorite ringside person to have so fucking great so i good. absolutely love because you can just hear him like he's hot you can is he going to be complaining with the referee you'll hear because you'll hear it going oh, damn you referee! <laughs> damn you! oh absolutely love it speaking of things you can hear lots of hissing in this match i think i think that the undertaker might be steam powered <laughs> 
Yeah, he's making a lot of noises like that uh, massage that we saw yeah. at that festival way back when. Undertaker is technically the heel in this match, so he's working on Kane's leg. We get a very, very evil and long goo that comes from the Undertaker <laughs> at one point as well. Like you, know, you can tell the satanic hole is you know it's, it's deep on him at the moment. That's that's devil goo right there. Absolutely, De- demon goo. That's that's ectoplasm. Joe, yeah, exactly. I was in the middle of talking about how impressive I was with Kane's spryness because you were like. Oh, Kane looks so actually so much like The Undertaker. And yeah. then I was like, well, the great thing as well is that, like The Undertaker, and you haven't seen a lot of The Undertaker being able to do this, but Undertaker mm-hmm. was very nimble back in the day. He could jump over the top rope, you know, from a standing position. He could walk the top rope. And then there's Kane, you know, until his 40s doing top rope clotheslines. Amazing. He's a big fucking dude. So cool. We get both of them attempting a choke slam at the exact same time. But I love it. They just prove that Kane, he may be more like innocent or more susceptible or more, you know, more able to be manipulated by his brother. But he is stronger and he manages to choke some of the Undertaker. But Paul Bear causes a distraction, allowing Undertaker to sick Kane with the tombstone pile driver. Paul Bear holds down the foot of his son to eliminate him from the tournament as Undertaker pins him. And I absolutely thought that was fine. You know, it was not too long. These big lumbering bastards have wrestled. I think at this point, if you listen to the old episode of the Irish Show podcast, I'd be shitting all over this. Really? Seven shades of shit. Wow. Because at the start of the podcast, I was like, Billy, a little guy called The Undertaker and his brother, Kane, and they're going to have epic encounters and everyone thought it was boring and they wrestle so many times. Wow. Hundreds of times, it feels like. I really liked this match. Yeah. I, I really enjoyed it. Like, I just liked seeing them both kind of in their prime. Yeah. Wrestle. Like, I feel like I really haven't seen the Undertaker do. Actually, I no. With Kane, I have seen in his prime. I think a bit from the episode. The, the episode, Undertaker, yeah. I definitely haven't. No, it's just true. All un- old Undertaker, and I th- yeah, it was just a really fun, fun match. Good wrestling. Two hunks. It was really weird though. Imagining like not knowing what Kane really looks like. I can't imagine a time yeah. where it's like, you just don't know what's under that mask. Speculation is all yeah. you had at the time. So, what star rating did you give this one? Four stars. Nice! You know what is really interesting about this pay-per-view mm-hmm. is that a number of people were wondering, because it's a 1998 and there go a lower work rate and some of your most enjoyed pay-per-views so far have been things like, you know, the All Japan Women's Show where they were beating the fucking absolute shit out of each other and doing all sorts of crazy moves. You've given very high praise for a lot of matches where I would say the prominent wrestling move was a punch. Yes, and I typically do not like a punch. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there, there's a match in this pay-per-view later on which was mainly punches and i did not like it but i think it's all about how you do it isn't it because it's like yeah. it, it's it's fake fighting it's all about how you sell it's all about how you act it's, it's the performance around it it's not how necessarily physically impressive it is i think what is very impressive is the fact that you have so many strong stories that aren't just like this guy wants to fight this guy you've got like steve austin versus the world great story undertaker and kane their whole like history the fact that Undertaker was the good guy in the situation, now he's the bad guy. And, you know, you've got Kane, who's this kind of innocent monster figure. You've got Mankind, who's been manipulated, but in a much different way. And, like, this just comes out throughout the tournament. It's not like they have to have individual stories for matches. No, and also everyone's story is kind of intertwined with everyone sense, else. Yeah. Because they all work for the same company. Like, Mankind, as you say, like, he his next match now is with Al Snow. They had a friendship, so there's a history between them. So there's already a story going into yeah. that match. 
like it's, everyone just has context for who they are in relation to other characters. It feels like this was like this was one of the shows that filled Vince Russo with the confidence that led to his downfall. Yeah, absolutely. Because when you're able to make these and then you can't make something like mm. this and you don't know how to fix it because there's so many moving <laughs> yeah, parts. He made it way too hard it for is. himself, yeah. It, this shouldn't work. It shouldn't be so harmonious, you yeah. know, and it feels really harmonious. <laughs> Case in point, our next match, quarterfinal, Al Snow and Mankind. We cut back, you know, as Al's coming out with with head with Mr. Sacco on top. And you have Briscoe going like, Mr. McMahon, when you put that sock on the head of, uh, on the head, it was the smartest thing you ever did. And Vince goes, I know. Now, the idea of Vince McMahon actually finding the smelly sock, Mm. finding the mannequin head and having to sneak so no one could see him a billionaire tie a sock onto a mannequin's head <laughs> to influence the outcome of a wrestling match amazing great i buy it i love it oh <laughs> uh, the, the the story of this one is that they're just having a regular old match mm. heads in the corner al gets head at one point and then mankind does this i tried to rewind it and the network is so janky with rewinding and ended up like putting an hour delay on our watching of it yeah. but Mankind does this suplex while Al is still holding Head mm. and they drop down and Mankind turns around and like he is face to face with Head when he lands on he sees the sock now I'm one of, I love my facial expressions in wrestling but the panic and the fear and the anger in Foley's eyes when he saw that sock was fucking beautiful yeah it was, it was very good I didn't understand why Al Snow didn't notice that Head has a sock on it he's crazy JR Okay, lazy. <laughs> I don't know. It seems to me like he it cares. Is, yeah. He cares a lot about head from the bits I've heard. Like mm. he has extended conversations with he head. Does. A relationship, I think, someone yeah. has with head at some point. Like, how would he not? Like, head is his best friend. How would he not realize that head is wearing the sock owned by that is then missing as well, but that belongs to his friend mankind? Like, I don't know. It just seems a bit. Meh. Yeah. I, the only thing I could say about it is because Mr. Sacco is only a week or two old at this point mm. the way i viewed it was that he did, he just thought it was a cool new head head accessory he didn't realize that it was like mr socko the mr socko they they should have done a bit on somewhere where they like have al talking to head and being like oh i love your new hairband where did you get that <laughs> oh you're so good at accessorizing head like implying that he thinks that head put it on themselves what i love most about head is that it always reminds me I'm, i don't know if you knew anyone had these but when i was growing up like girls in my class and friends who i had who are girls all had this thing where it was like a mannequin's head that you were meant to like, you know, gussy up and make look nice. Have I never told you about mine? No, please. Oh my God, Kevin. This was like my whole persona in school. Persona! I had (laughs) one of those horrible heads that you put makeup on and stuff and also its hair could grow. Great. Yeah, because your hair grew and you could like style it and cut it and stuff. Yeah, definitely. And I called mine Jemima. Mm-hmm. and i would do this terrible thing with my friends where we would get my dad's dressing gown great i like where this is going we'd put the head on my head and then wrap the dressing gown around the shoulders of the head and then i would put my arms like with my elbows like through the sleeves mm-hmm. and then i would cross the road wow i, I, would, I would cross the a10 wow okay that got a lot <laughs> then, less innocent <laughs> 
literally, I would do this outside of my friend's house, and we nearly caused several car accidents because apparently it was so creepy. Yeah. Like when people drove by, like someone we knew ended up seeing us and being like, you've got to stop doing that because I actually thought it was a monster. I it looks, would It looks so real, but not real. I would I would have, I would have definitely been at, at risk. Yeah. For, for some, how old were you? Okay. Okay. Maybe, Jesus, right. maybe twelve. Twenty-three years old. <laughs> years That's old. all right. Because I mean, all I was gonna say is that not even Al Snow and the World Wrestling Federation. This isn't the pipe peaking. You know, go jump off the ladder, kids. They didn't think, hey, I'll put on the head and then put on a big coat and walk across the street. That's too dangerous. Just go wrestle in the Mississippi River with Bob Holly instead. You Sometimes know? as I was crossing the road, I'd like pretend to trip up and then <laughs> drop my head out. Jesus. Oh my God. It's so funny it's because like I brought it up because head hair reminds me of what like the cycle of those mannequin heads seems to always go for, for the people I knew them was. They got them around Christmas or a birthday. They were loved. They were immaculate. They were adorable. Mm. Then they did something silly with them and then they got bored with them and then a younger sibling got them or a boy or, you know, the brother got them or a cousin and then it became like the hair all pulled out, help me, written backwards. Yeah. You know, <laughs> the railroad spike put through it, right. you know, football kicked into the crowd or whatever. <laughs> I think Mankind here did huge 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 business in terms of getting Mr. Socko over just by the fact that Mr. Socko could have been something that was just in that one hospital skit with Vince McMahon yeah. him bringing it into the match making it part of the tournament him then using it to choke out Al Snow the little conversation they have as oh. well I really like he asked if he was okay yeah they have a little chat I only saw in the replay but when Foley got head he put him in a headlock and started like etcha 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 doing the stomps and all that He's still wrestling in a tuxedo as well, by the oh, way, yes. with, with the slippers. One of my favorite things about this weird period of wrestling is like just rereading my notes back like mm. and trying to imagine them being read out of context because <laughs> they are very strange. Yeah. Like, just, I'm just gonna, I haven't got many notes for this match, so I'll just quickly read them out. It's JR notes that Mankind has a nice haircut. Billionaire Mr. McMahon stole Mr. Socko and put it on head. <laughs> uh, Al Snow attacks Mankind with head. And he spots Mr. Socko, takes him off and gives him the mandible claw. Mankind's reunited with Mr. Socko and they have a nice little chat. Oh, it's sweet. And I like that technically the guys would be like the top heel or whatever. It's a sweet man with a, with a sock puppet. It's beautiful. So is Al supposed to be a face? Yes. Okay. Al's story is that he was a jobber in the WWF. He lost his mind in ECW and started talking to a mannequin head and then just started like showing up so much that they were like, all right, you'll have a fucking job then. Like I think in kayfabe, Jerry Lawler is the one who actually technically got him a job. But, wow. So he could humiliate him. Oh, <laughs> makes sense. What did you think of this match, Joe? Heads and socks. It was okay. Honestly, the, the things I liked about this head were kind of the silly story stuff mm. with Socko and Head. So, like the wrestling itself was meh. I gave it two stars coming up next The Rock versus Ken Shamrock in a match where one man is as wet as the other man is as spitting there is a lot of spit coming out of The Rock and Ken Shamrock is looking like he's out of the shower he is fucking soaked now you have a typical 1998 brawl where it involves lots of going to the outside you were certainly seeing with some wrestlers people who are getting a bit tired or feeling the gas tank depleting and Rock and Ken seemed a little bit slower in this than their previous encounters. Really? You think so? Just, but I I think The Rock was holding back because he knew he was in the main event and was going to have a longer match, I think. 
I totally disagree. Really? I really totally disagree. Yeah. I liked this match a lot. I can, yeah. yeah. I, I'm not going to spoil my star ratings. Oh, I didn't say I didn't like it. I just thought that they... No. Because when they're doing stuff like a lot of the outside brawling, yeah. that's kind of like in lieu of doing a lot of, you know, rope, you know, rope to rope, run nah, across nah, and all nah. that. I preferred this wow. to the other ones that they were in. Well, I bro, thought... I got a pay-per-view or 20 for you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought this was great because... Like, I wasn't expecting this to be great. I don't think much of The Rock, and obviously I don't think much of Ken Shamrock. I didn't expect either of their styles to impress me. But Ken Shamrock is a lot faster and flippier than I expected him to be. Yeah, he's got... He's a naturally... He's quick. Incredibly gifted athlete. Yeah. The heart, I mean, I can start telling you stories now about Ken that will impress you, but I was like, no, save, save, for, the, it, save for the episode. episode. Yeah. But yeah, he is... All I'll say is, out of all the wrestlers who are here tonight, in terms of, like, a you know, pure, raw athlete, and someone who's just got, like, unlimited athletic ability... He's got to be up near the tippity top. Yeah. Like, he is very, very deceptively strong, deceptively fast. Mm. He has, you know, real life striking and submission skills in, you know, he's talking 10 years prior to that being something that people would just have as standard in wrestling. Yeah. So he's definitely ahead of his time a little bit. I like that they were battling by the announce table because it just made me remember Jerry Lawler and Gregory Helms. Aww. <laughs> and like, you know, The Rock comes over and he, like, he has the headset, he he takes out the water, he drinks up and he spits it in his face. And I thought if Gregory Helms came over, he like opened the water and like, no, swallow it. <laughs> Good, now put it back. Sorry, with the cap. Sorry. <laughs> very, very quickly into this. A wild boss man appears. Love this. He just keeps showing up. And we get a boss man sucks chant. She's so unfair. What has he done to deserve that? That poor man. So at this point, Joe, you gave the big boss man his astonishingly brilliant new moniker because he had been out so many times. You turned to me and said, the big boss man, more like the busy boss man. <laughs> He's a very busy boy here tonight. Yeah, I like it. I think... I would like it generally if more pay-per-views just had the boss man wander in and kind of get involved. I'd love someone who's both... Like, he's a credible threat because he beat up Austin, but he's also like... Shit. He's shit. He's fucked up a lot here tonight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have uh, taken umbrage with the fans deciding that the boss man sucks. Yeah, I think it's fair. Why why are they saying boss man sucks? He hasn't done anything. (laughs) I mean, you get to be in the tournament twice and you lose twice in the first round. I mean, that's, that's a special moniker right there, right? lost the tournament first round twice does suck right i'm just saying you know maybe this is what turns him into the nasty man he oh. came later like this this fuel for the fire he's like the fans just don't appreciate me like, yeah yeah obviously we get the rock caught into the ankle lock submission hold but a rare sight during this time he survives he holds on for a long time the crowd are so into it and we know why because according to the jr the people want their people's elbow. <laughs> the people's elbow we saw a few times tonight. Impressive maneuver. Very. Really? Yeah, it's so slick. And again, it's cartoony, very anime, very yeah. set animation frames thing. Yeah. I was well prepared for you to like make fun of it because like when he started doing it though, I noticed you were like you went, Oh yeah, when he hits the elbow, I'm like, really? Interesting. It's that. so slick. Yeah. It just looks like he's been doing it forever. There's one time he did it and he was wearing dress shoes. Oh. And you ever wear, I mean, dress shoes when you have to scuff the bottom of them to to make you actually stick. And he hadn't done that, obviously. So he's doing the people's elbow and he went to do the last bit. And instead of stepping, he just stood and literally slid 
hovered across half of the ring and then did the elbow. Oh my God, that sounds amazing. And he's wearing a nice turtleneck when he's doing it as well. Oh, wow. (laughs) What are we doing this for? Come on. (laughs) The absolute pitch perfect moment. I don't know how they've had to practice this a million times. Don't know how they did this. Big Boss pins up on the apron. He's got that big stick again, the night stick. He's got to go toss it to Ken Shamrock, who very subtly is just like, Behind the referee, he's just gesturing, like, give it to me. Like, he's yeah, just, you know, throw it over here. Yeah, just, he's not like, hey, 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 hey. He's just like, give it to me, because he doesn't want The Rock to see. And The Rock yeah. immediately sees the long reach, perfect interception. Yeah, he, like, catches it midair, like, oh, from behind yeah. him. It, uh, it's an incredible throw, catch, everything, the whole situation. I, I blinked and I missed it, but yeah. they, they did a great job with the replays. So many replays. They had all the different angles. They really got to show you, like... Because at first, I kind of half missed the move, and I thought that the boss man just threw the nightstick to the rock, and I was very confused. But then on the replays, they made it very clear that, no, Ken was gesturing to boss man. Boss man saw him through the nightstick to Ken. But it's just that the rock then hit Ken and knocked him out of the way before he even had a chance to reach so, for it. Was it. so quick. It's so quick. A really, really good job. The rock's reaction when he wins, which is just like kind of, you know, he he, he knows what an exquisitely brilliant moment it was. <laughs> I love as well the little small parts, which I missed the first few times I watched this pay-per-view, where after The Rock is done, he throws it back and the boss man catches it like as well. And he's like, damn it! <laughs> <laughs> Fucking loved it. It was, the, the, the show's done a really good job of giving you those happy highs and then some kind of like, you know, people getting beaten up and all that. Like, you have enough people you're worried about, but like, the story of The Rock is so exciting that mm. you can't help but like, be really happy despite the fact that Austin's been like laid out and all that jazz. I honestly didn't even think about Steve Austin during that match. Ah, there you go. It's uh But I didn't feel like I was supposed to. No, I think it's a hard thing to have such two such big stars on the same show and yeah. to have them both for all intents and purposes be the good guy yeah. and not step on each other's toes. Like the anti-hero good guy as well like not even like the good good guy. Well the Rock gets to spit that's his thing you see. You know, Steve Austin gets beer Rock gets spit. Ooh. What was your rating for this one? You uh, you enjoyed it? Loved it. Four stars. Hey! I thought this was just really fun and I I preferred this to like all of the other Ken Shamrock rock stuff we got. Interesting stuff. Interesting stuff. I'm oh I'd be real careful with this match selection now. This is making my, my wheels turn an awful lot. <laughs> we cut back to Paul Bear, which immediately got a big laugh from both of us because he was doing the greatest pose of all time. He was asked by Michael Cole if he was concerned about his client facing The Rock later on. And he said, Michael Cole, the only rock my phenom cares about is the granite for making tombstones. Perfect. Awesome. Great. So excited for that match coming up. Coming up next, Sable taking on Jacqueline for the Women's Championship. I was dreading this because when we saw Sable earlier, like I can't remember what she was doing. She just showed up for like a second or two. Yeah. And you went, ugh. Ugh. I was like, oh no, what happened? What like what's what's coming? Because I thought like you know whenever so, like there's a woman on screen and you go, ugh, that normally means like something mad dodgy is gonna happen or like something you don't like is gonna happen or something like I won't like. Yeah. So I was like, oh shit, what's gonna happen? But then like nothing happened and it was just like then it was her match. So I was like, oh no, is her match gonna be like really weird or bad or stuff? I was like, so why, ugh? And you were like, oh, I just don't like Sable. So I was like, okay, fair enough. Yeah, I've heard bad things about yeah. Sable. And 
obviously she's with Jacqueline here who's like fucking incredible like proper legit wrestler mm. they say on commentary as well that Jacqueline like trained with the men yeah that was Jacqueline came up from Memphis yeah. so she like her whole gimmick when she was wrestling in Jerry Lawler's territory was that she was so tough she'd fight the men and you know there was echoes of that when Jazz was in ECW as well she was with a wrestler who was like yeah she, she trained with and fought the men but I think it's very funny because you could ask most women who were training at the time like we all trained with the yeah. men like where else do you think we trained yeah. dick shit <laughs> like come on but look I'll tell you a couple of things firstly from watching this I'll guarantee if you went back to listen to the ITR podcast we're very poisonous on this really and all stuff involving Sable and Mark Merrow like Mark Merrow was one of those things that I like as a kid I hated and then as an adult I like I hated more for new reasons what you hated Mark Merrow sorry I hated everything surrounding him I hated the politics that hired him I read McFoley's book from a young age and Foley was very outspoken about wrestlers like Mark Merrow who got big paydays at the expense of journeyman wrestlers like himself and steve and he was making more money than steve austin and mcfoley when he was brought in right you know and i just wrestlers who get this kind of undue hype and pomp and circumstance around them i don't like and when they are by no direct you know action of their own are causing times to be harder for the wrestlers but invariably they do the stuff with sable though is like a lot more complex i feel like i need like an episode or two to talk about it so I think oh that, we're gonna get how to sable a fucking freak honestly, I love I think that it'd be a very interesting very interesting thing finally i can know the difference between deborah and sable well look i'll <laughs> tell you listen to our early anti-air podcast about stuff back i think i was probably really harsh on sable solely because i was someone who hated this concept of the you know the rest the women shouldn't be a wrestler and if they are, it's like the wrestling is used as a gimmick to get over the fact that she's a beautiful woman. And I and I thought instead, like, you know, like Sable being in matches was a means to an end for them to promote Sable. And I felt like they did things like the Women's Championship was greatly... Like, Sable was the era where the Women's Championship was changed hands in bikini contests. Except sometimes they change their mind and if the person who's got a nice bikini wins it or loses it. You know, stuff like that. And I felt that she was a figurehead for that. And she did allow a lot of that to happen, mainly because the stories about Sable and the other women on the roster are all nightmarish. But you said, because I was asking you about that, and then mm. you said that they weren't really doing stuff like that at this point anyway. What do you mean not doing stuff? Well, like matches like this didn't really, like the whole like bra and panties. Oh, thing, they like, wouldn't have really... bra and panties matches, no, but they'd have, you know, evening gown matches. Or, oh, you, know, you, know. you can't tell. If I go, oh, bra and panties matches, you go, oh no, they didn't exist then, but they did do gravy bowl. They did other stuff. Evening gown matches. It's, it's the same thing. Sable was the first time they realised, oh, we can have someone who's like the most downloaded woman on the internet sell like Playboys or whatever. But also, like, Russo was the person who said, let's use the storytelling and the medium of the wrestling ring just so we can further this story of her. Because they want her on TV every week. Like, Sable Mm. would just come out and be like, here's the new Steve Austin t-shirt. And she'd just be there wearing it for, like, five minutes. Or, like, an inflatable chair. And just the fact that they brought back that women's championship and it's, like, it, it took, like, six years for it to rise out of that bubbling mass of... It's just the, the belt which is put on for the, the match where you're meant to masturbate. And I, I think it's wrong of me to blame Sable for that. And I think 24-year-old Kevin has got a much poorer grasp of the complexities of those situations. But like you saying about the whole sexualization of, of women's wrestling and stuff, like it didn't happen in this match. There was none. No. There was literally none. Actually, I thought it was one of the best matches of the whole show. Yeah, no, the fact that it was it was a short match. 
it was about Sa- well, the story was very simple which was Mark Merrow thinks he's going to replace Sable with Jacqueline who's a better wrestler who's taken the women's title off of her in a screwy way and that Sable was here to beat up both Jacqueline and the man and it, it was a very like straight up empowering display yeah like it was genuinely I never expected a great women's match like this from this year from Sable and seeing as Sable like very limited like as yeah. I think that they probably like the few moves that she did in this match like she could do the powerbomb just <laughs> like you you made it very clear to me that she had not had proper wrestling no, training not at this point so I was like expecting her to be way worse than Trish the way I view it though and the way it still upsets me is that here is Sable. Our ultimate goal is we want to sell Playboy magazines, have USA Network crossovers, all that. Her to be the multimedia woman. We take Jacqueline, who... Jacqueline and Ivory are probably the only two women's wrestlers at the moment in time who have any sort of like an actual teeth to them. Like, these are wrestlers. These are women who love wrestling and have trained to wrestle. All Jacqueline did for her first six months in the company was lose to Sable. Mm-hmm. And... Then Sable didn't go on to wrestle other people and stuff. She had like one or two other matches, then she left the company and sued them for sexual harassment. It just felt like a lot of very talented women, and I don't think it's any small coincidence that it's like a woman of colour as well, mm. were brought in to really, really, really buttress this one woman. And I felt like there are easier ways to sell magazines and build up someone as a multimedia personality without destroying and ruining the careers of lots of women and also basically very loudly saying by the way this is what women's wrestling is going to be like for the next 10 years because it was but it wasn't though because this is great this is a great match yeah, i this wish is, this is... i wish this is what women's wrestling was like after this but it's not it's not like no. we don't even get women's wrestling like this now for the most part <laughs> i know like it's still a story that's that yeah raw, this like, is yeah. so unsexualized that like it's it's like unrecognizable yeah. from like like, genuinely it's like so jarring for me to be like this existed in 1998 and that's what it became like less than a year later and, and I, like i don't i don't look at that and then think god sable how could she like make this whole thing about her being like it's, it's not about it's her not being her, sexy no. and also you saying about like the playboy like about that have that being their goal based about selling playboy magazines like again that's really surprising to me because there's none of the sexy stuff in this match it's oh, actually just fighting but that is the ultimate goal here after this you know how come then later on when they like they actually do that stuff with like you know stacy keebler and people all the other women who look exactly the same yeah but they actually do just like take each other's clothes off and they don't have actual wrestling matches Mm. like how come they are acceptable to you and you like those matches but this is like no 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 (laughs) i i guess like i understand i think looking at this in isolation you're obviously going to I don't blame you for feeling the way you do about this match because in isolation, yes, this match is, is awesome and all that. When it's kind of like this story that takes like 12 months to slowly develop and then you have all these beats on the way like this and then you inevitably end up in this much worse place. It's just very frustrating, I think. And I think it's a problem I've had as a wrestling fan, which is if there's something I don't like because of what it eventually leads to, I, I hate on it, even but if the that, thing itself is good. But isn't that with all wrestling? Because, like, no wrestling is ever perfect all of the time. Like, you could say, well, Stone Cold Steve Austin, he had a couple of good matches tonight, but he turned heel then 10 years later and no one liked that. Like, yeah. it became something different. Like, obviously yeah. it's going to become something different. You have different bookers and writers of the show and 
you know, Vince McMahon himself will change direction and just decide, like, oh, actually, I don't think we want women anymore unless they just take their clothes off. So mm. I don't. It's just so weird to me that like you you set me up for this, like being like Sable's shit. <laughs> this yeah. match is awful. Uh, uh, it's all uh, like was... sexual titillation. I, and that's I why I don't take it seriously. I, I didn't feel like I had turned to you and said, just so you know, this match is going to be honest. I didn't feel I had done that at all. No, no, but no. But I obviously had given off that vibe. No, no, no. It was you just going ugh, and then being like, whoa, what's going to happen? And you'd be like, no, Sable's just shit. I don't like her. I don't think that reaction was necessary to like this match in particular. It was just this reminds me of like the whole Sable story, which lasts for so fucking long. And I think it's stupid of me to hold ill will against the performer, particularly when I know it's not her. It's, yeah, it's, it's like, Vince McMahon. I, I don't know you've ever done that with any other wrestler. No, like, like someone is... who got like a really shit angle that was like he, awful. Here's the thing with opinions that you've had. It's like the moment of, of that was less of kind of me like, oh, I hate this. It's more remember like, what did I think about this? Like, oh yeah, I remember hating this. So that was my reaction there. Well, so you actually hated this match at the time? At the time, I didn't like it now. Why though? Because I well I, at the time when I was a kid I didn't mind this match. Watch this for the Attitude podcast. I hated it. Why? Big for all the reasons I just went. But into no, you there. you just gave a lot of reasons of like things that happened afterwards. Why at the time you can't have seen into the future and gone right. I guess like a large part of it was just that anything that was involving Mark Merrow at the time and Sable was just like I hate the storyline. I hate right. the feud. I don't want to. I don't anything to do with this. It's reminded me of all these issues and things that I hate think the reality of it is is that most of these issues that have come out from the fact that like vince russo has said in explicit terms when him and vince mcmahon saw sable for the first time their jaws hit the floor and they're like we're in love with this woman mm-hmm. let's book her and there's always that kind of creepy element to it as well i guess that it's kind of their little fantasy for her but, they're like, playing out that's so weird that's like that's the issue with like that Sable is like the one to like make a target of because like that is literally all of women's wrestling. Oh, yeah, I know it's that's all, yeah. Trish. That's like everyone. I been, like, And then in came a sexy lady, and yeah. Vince's mouth dropped to the floor. Like you could literally say that about any woman in wrestling. I totally understand. I want to be very, very clear that my opinions have obviously changed since. No, no, I'm just trying to understand. Then. I know, but I don't think it's fair to take my opinions as something I had seven years ago and compare it to opinions I have about similar things from this year, or last year. And then those are like, I've, I, my mindset, if you asked me about Stacey Keebler and Trish Stratus and all that stuff back in those days as well, I'm sure I would have similarly just had like, a, oh, they were just sexualized. I got very little good things to say about Sonny or Tori Wilson or Trish Stratus. There are a lot of women who I had similarly bad things to say about, but I have in recent years realize that they had more of a role and less of a say in what they were doing yeah but the difference is when we cover those matches like with trish and stuff Mm. and you've gone trish is great i love her Mm. i think she's fantastic you know same with gail kim and stuff whereas this you were like no sable's shit because i think the only time i've thought about sable in the last 10 years was during those ashira podcast episodes and i don't think i've covered her she's come up in any sort of capacity other than she's briefly appeared in in 1997 uh where we're at the moment for season four so I think, honestly, it was just a case of, like, me gut reaction on this is what I used to think. But this match was really good. It was so, uh, so I, good. I, 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 yeah. She's really strong. I did not expect her to be so strong because she's tiny. Like, obviously, she's got muscles, but I kind of thought they were 
glamour muscles. Like I kind of thought yeah. she was in that sort of typical bodybuilding type thing where you know it's all it's all glamour muscles and stuff. But she's so strong. She lifts Jacqueline over her head with ease. I will say Jacqueline is the the Bret Hart of this match, oh, yeah, though. Of in that you, she's, but, she's doing a lot more health than you'd realize. But Jacqueline can't lift her own body without a body part being on the floor. Like oh, yeah, that's yeah. that's pure sable. You can't work that. Like genuinely sable is great. <laughs> like and there's just like a lot of wrestling moves in this match as well. Like it's fast. And obviously I can tell to a point when wrestlers are like overcompensating for someone not having as much skill. Yeah. But I think I've seen that a lot more in Trish's matches with other wrestlers being like, okay, let's help her along. Yeah. Than this here. Just both of them seem to be in sync with each other really well. Like Jacqueline, I don't know. Like they, they just seem, yeah. Just. I think what it is, is that look, you've got a match that's five minutes. Mm. There is an angle that's set up on Sunday Night Heat of her being attacked beforehand. They did a really hot angle with the belt being taken off Sable, like literally the week before. You have Sable's hair has been taken from her as well. The lowly referee is Shane McMahon in this match. Oh, yes. Yeah, Mark Merrow's on the outside. Bell to bell, the match is probably like 180 seconds or thereabouts. And every move is a very considered move. There's no downtime in this match. And I think a lot of that is going to be down to the fact that because the two Vinces are so obsessed with her, both as an investment, but also as just a character they're fucking got the horn for majorly here at the moment, it seems. There's going to be a level of care there. Where I felt with a lot of Trish's matches, is like, well, there's Trish. Trish knows what she's doing. She's got a 10-minute match. It's on the pay-per-view. That'll be fine. And a lot of times, you, there's not care or attention put in there. This women's match is way less of an afterthought than the matches that come in the following years. Yeah, which makes me like this a lot more because it's actually being given the weight it deserves. Like, this is mm. women's wrestling being taken seriously. It just... It, it, I, I even talking about it now, it, it irritates me. Why, I know, I can, why see, does, I can see you getting really angry. Why does Sable get this care and attention because Vince McMahon and Vince Russo are, are attracted to her? But that's... That's all, bullshit. That's what being a woman is in wrestling. Yeah, but, like, they're not... Like, how come Trish Stratus, despite the fact that, you know, she was clearly a beautiful woman and had a lot more skill, why did she have to get, like... I just why did she well, go and finish that thought? Just why does she get to put, why was she put into so many matches where there was such little thought, such little thought and effort, like just have a match. But you there know? was also lots of matches where there was lots of thought gone into it. I would say Tristatus felt like she had as many matches that had like this level no, I don't know. It she has a longer career, so it's obviously it's different, you know. And I think as well, like it, it comes down to like obviously, yes, like what happened after this has influenced your opinions. But it's like it's all down to the men who run the show. Oh, yeah. Like literally, like that. If you're talking about like, oh, this is annoying me because like women's wrestling wasn't taken as seriously. After it's not this. Sable's fault, and no. it's not Sable's fault for her being sexy. She no. can't help being a very sexy no, lady. No, no, absolutely. And Poor Sable. I'm sure she's had a hard go of it. Hey, if any billionaires like said, hey, I want to like build my fucking company around you. Yeah. absolutely. And I, there's no question in my mind how important Sable was. And I think it's probably partly the fact that they didn't really support her the way she needed. Like they put all this investment into her without actually following through on any support or oh, yeah. training well, she means was that then them... afterwards they could go well she wasn't very good was she so we won't bother giving any other women these opportunities because if she can't do it no one can uh, That that's that's a huge part of it but I that's, think. again I don't want to blame no, Sable that's no, not her fault I, I don't blame Sable okay. I don't blame <laughs> I don't blame Sable I, re I honestly I do not blame Sable but I can't help but see Sable matches and be reminded of all of these things that ultimately are not her fault mm. but she is literally the poster child for, for this and i don't think 
anything's going to change in, in wrestling or opinions going to be changed by hating on fucking Sable and all that. No. You know, that's that's by and large not the case. And look, Sable's had her own interesting career a few months after this, suing them for sexual harassment and then coming back, uh, you know, in her 40s to be Vince McMahon's uh, sexy secretary then later on in angles. So they've a complicated history with her in their own right. But yeah, I do still just feel miserably bad for people like Jacqueline because we've done a lot of episodes about people like Jacqueline and Gail Kim and you know the, the real kind of the journeyman wrestlers the, the women who didn't go into this to to become a model or a, or a superstar or anything like that and it's just I hate that this is this is how Jacqueline came into the company it's it's shit it's so not fair to her I don't think I mean but this is a great match. It is a great match. I mean, it's yeah. way too short, but it's yeah. a fantastic match. Ma- Jacqueline doesn't come out of this looking shit. No. She comes out of this looking like an awesome wrestler. I really enjoyed the whole thing. I think they both looked badass as hell. Yeah, yeah. Like, obviously, I think Jacqueline should get many more opportunities, but I don't come out of this going, that's a shame. I go, mm. come out of this going, oh, wow, what potential. Yeah, yeah. Where can they go from here? So, yeah, uh, we've talked a lot about Sable. We've not talked about Mark Merrow and his six-figure contract, whose sole contribution to this is to be powerbombed on the outside. He is a loving, supportive husband, is is Mark Merrow, who wished nothing but good things for his wife, who became a much bigger star than he did. It was collateral damage in some respects, because his career never really recovered from it. Mm. But, you know, I think they split around this time as well. And it's never been clear if what happened in the company and their kind of treatment, or how they were treated as a couple, or how she was treated individually if that actually ultimately led to them splitting up or not, I'm not really sure. Mm. But, you know, wrestling marriages are, are oft complicated things. For sure. We get the Tornado DDT, which is countered with a... Fucking Tornado DDT. Yeah, that's Jacqueline, baby. She's fucking amazing. So cool. Jacqueline with the Tornado DDT, which gets countered. She goes, Bwah! We get the Sable Bomb. Sable wins. I was hoping she would retrieve her hair as well, but... Uh, <laughs> But yeah, I mean, I was flabbergasted by how good the match was. It was not the match that I remembered it was. But I think when you are in a room with two other guys (laughs) for part eight of your discussion about why you don't like this angle. And this is why we need women in wrestling podcasts. Because I gave this match four stars. I loved it. It was like genuinely one of my favorite matches of the show. Love seeing... These two women just fucking, like, just do beautiful choreographed fighting. Like, it just was so fluid. There weren't, like, any massive botches that I really thought no, there was, would be. No, it was the Paul Heyman thing of accentuate the positives, yeah. hide the negatives. Honestly, and I, this, it, the reason I like this match is the reason I like this show overall. The matches were short and sniffy, and they knew exactly what they wanted to get yeah. from each of them. And it, it achieved what they wanted. Absolutely. They had a storyline. They were like, right, we want to achieve this and this and this. And they did it. And it was great. And it was fun. Coming up next, we're into our semi-finals. Mankind, who's had a soft night so far, versus Stone Cold Steve Austin. Or as Joe called him, so cool Steve Austin. <laughs> Even hurt, he looks very cool. Yeah. The walk, we've talked before already, that the, the, the story of the last match, you remember immediately what's happened with Austin when he comes out. And Vince McMahon and his henchmen immediately come out and surround the ring in a sea of grey suits. So Foley's still wrestling in the tuxedo. He <laughs> loses a slipper early on. And I don't know why, like, I see wrestlers wrestle barefoot a whole bunch, but someone wrestling with one sock is like, 
<laughs> I was really, really on edge on tender hooks for that. I loved when Austin tried to give the stunner to mankind. And he just ran away. <laughs> run away. He like he didn't just run, he proper fucking sprinted. I didn't think McFoley could move that fast. It was amazing. <laughs> Brave McFoley ran away. Bravely <laughs> ran away away. JR speculates on hatred and the nature of hatred as he looks at Vince McMahon and says, It's not healthy, King. It's not healthy mentally or physically to hate so much. <laughs> Is he implying that Vince McMahon hates Austin so much he's been confined to a wheelchair with his hatred? Like, oh, I like that. That's a great idea. Like he's got enough energy yeah. to hate him, so he has to you know, reserve his leg <laughs> stuff for hatred. And also, right after that, King just goes, I don't know what you're talking about, JR. <laughs> he looks great. And then JR goes, he's in a wheelchair. Pat and Briscoe try to pull Mankind back in the ring and Austin like runs out and bonks their heads together. That needs to happen more in wrestling. Like oh, that nice. just, I love heads being bonked together, especially with like two people that you always see together, like like Briscoe and Patterson, I think like. Yeah, it's, uh, it's something that Hogan used to do a lot back in the, the meeting of the minds. You get the two baddies and like, Bonk. Sh- Sherry's head has been bonked into someone else's head like a thousand times in the history of wrestling, <laughs> I'm pretty sure. We have Vince at ringside, which means we got even more shots of him from the camera. Oh, I love seeing him in this wheelchair looking all angry and aroused. Get him, Nick. Get him. Get him. (laughs) There are, again, special rules, or should I say, no rules in place for mankind. Who's allowed to just go out and, like, you know, get a steel chair if he wants to. He can use weapons. He's doing moves onto the chair. He does the double arm DDT onto the chair as well, but Austin manages to just about kick out. And then he hits the Stone Cold Stunner and Mankind is about to be counted out before. (laughs) I love this. Sergeant Slaughter gets up to break up the count, but Vince McMahon, not confident that his henchman will do it in time, jumps out of the wheelchair and yep. dives into the ring. To like pull off the ref. Immediately. Yep. And then he, as he's pulling out the ref, I love the fact that he obviously doesn't even need the wheelchair. He's just like pretending now. Yeah. <laughs> so he pulls out the ref and he starts like punching and kicking him like on the floor. He's like proper bullying this ref. Like Vince wasn't in a wheelchair seconds ago, now beating the shit out of this referee. And Vince thinks like, well, that's I think anyone in a wheelchair any moment they can spring up and beat the shit out of you. <laughs> I'm raising awareness, goddammit. When he got out of his wheelchair and he's beating up this little referee and Jerry Lawler's going, it's a miracle! He's <laughs> oh my God. That's the type of heel commentary yeah. I love. Sick That's it. Fans, That's so. great. Yeah, absolutely. Mankind's trousers fall off now. <laughs> this was great. He falls, he falls over and gets all caught up with them. His pants are down. As his pants are down around his ankles and he's like tries to go down and get them, he just sticks the mandible claw on Austin like out of like kind of, I don't know, some sort of preservation tactic. Austin kicks him in the willy and hits him with a stunner. And then out comes Shane McMahon, the hero, the lowly referee. Surely he'll help this this troubled rattlesnake. We get one, we get two, three. Where's three? God damn you, where's three? JR counts to all the numbers as Shane McMahon gives Austin two big dirty fingers. <laughs> Stone Cold's face is the highlight of the show. His his just he's fucking furious. We get the zoom on the Crash face. Zoom oh, as man. Austin like just his his <laughs> his face so many good face acting in this show this is like just the best thing there's like Vince at ringside like looking angry you've got Austin in the match looking angry but he has the fury yeah. he has you can tell like he's got loads of adrenaline like yeah. he's like what like he's confused because he should 
be three, right? Yeah, uh, and also, what the fuck? How dare you? What? 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 Watching Steve Austin not know how to process something <laughs> is, a, is a very good time. So the boss man at this point was was scheduled to come out and lay out Austin again, but he missed his cue, which is why this Austin's mentioned this like a thousand times in his podcast. He hates it. The fact that Jerry Briscoe had to come in and give him a 50-year-old man uh, little light chair Aww. shot and Austin's like you can see when he's been pinned he's like motherfucker I can't believe I have to count to three on that piece of shit chair shot I thought it was Vince who hit Austin with the chair that was Cherry Briscoe it was Cherry Briscoe I really thought it was Vince oh my god yeah, as, a, as a different old man with a very yeah, like, light chair shot it should have been it should have been Vince because yeah. A it makes more sense with Vince and also Vince would properly hit him for real and Stone Cold wouldn't be like oh god damn it if he was beaten up by Vince yeah. with a chair Mankind wins, and they're skipping gaily away. Literally <laughs> skipping away. And Jay on commentary, Mr. McMahon and friends, skipping gaily away. Damn them! <laughs> <laughs> and Austin, he skips away to commandeer a vehicle and drive off. We did have a little chat while we were watching about what would be scarier. Ric Flair road rage from last episode of Pay-Per-View Classic or Stone Cold road rage. Probably Ric Flair, because you know if you're not corporate, Austin probably won't hassle you. Ric Flair... If you're in his town, it could be anyone. Also, at least with Stone Cold, you know he's not going to take his clothes off. Yeah, that's very true. <laughs> wow, this was a fucking wild match. This was great stuff. Really, really good. And, you know, we had a hot angle with the, the women's match beforehand that had a lot of, you know, stuff to pop the crowd. And then exactly the same here. Thus proving that whole fucking cool down, warm up bullshit. You don't need it. You know, women can have a hot match. Men can have a hot match. It doesn't matter. Have a hot match. That's it. There you go. What did you give this one? Star rating wise... Hmm. Um, I didn't think this match was that good. Really? Like, as in the match itself overall was very entertaining. But like, I'll be honest. Like, the reason I enjoyed it was because of like the silly facial expressions. It oh, was yeah. Vince skipping around. It was Stone Cold's face when he gets the double fingers from Shane. Like, the wrestling actually was really boring. Like, really? I my notes were all just this is boring. This sucks. They're just lying on the floor. I'm oh, bored. Dear. I wish this would finish. Like. But like all the silly stuff is great. So if mm. I was going to do the match, like the wrestling, I would say two stars. Mm. But in terms of general entertainment, mm. silly, fun story stuff, I'm going to give it five. Wow. How about that? Vince McMahon skipping gaily away. That's how you screw perfect. Steve Austin. That's, oh my God. Yes. <laughs> JR is on commentary now. Just talk to us. He's just despondent about what's happened. Basically, he hates that Austin's been screwed. He's upset. Time for our next semi-final as The Undertaker takes on The Rock. JR is uh, contemplating on the nature of the tournaments. The machinations of Mr. Vince McMahon have rendered Mick Foley the village idiot. Aww. Ooh! And then uh, they start bringing up Earl Hebner at this point. Like, there's Earl Hebner. No stranger to controversy there. Yeah. Gonna swear in his kid's life he's gonna count The Rock out tonight, <laughs> is he? Like... The Rock gets beaten up a lot in this one. I think what is notable about this match is that The Undertaker, as the veteran, is giving The Rock like enough chances to look like he's, you know, he can hang or he's a, a big enough star. Yeah. I did also like Undertaker instructing Paul Bearer to use his shoe. Yeah. Yes, yes. It's the shoe is a is an effective weapon. I mean, Austin Powers only came out a little earlier that year. Who You're fights right. with a shoe? Paul Bearer, that's who, yeah, motherfuckers. Okay. Bossman comes out. I think if he interferes in one more match, he gets a free sandwich here tonight. <laughs> the Rock, with his trademark cruelty that made him such an endearing face in the noughties and the late 90s, he just points at Paul Bear and goes, You fat piece of shit. Oh, why would you 
you do that when his face is right there? There's so many things about Paul Bear yeah. that you... his weird voice, his, his weird face, his lack of a soul. He, he doesn't have a soul. I mean, he looks pretty evil to me, Joe. <laughs> you know, the boss man goofs grabbing the foot of the rock, and this was really funny because you were like, "Look at this! This is what a shit thing he did." But ah, you know now, right? Oh, ah, what you mean? It was on purpose. It was on purpose. Nah, that <laughs> still doesn't make sense. Bro, actually, but bro, could have been on purpose. No, you, you couldn't. You couldn't say for sure though. It could have been mm. on purpose. You know. But what? Why would it be on purpose? Because like it doesn't make any difference to the result of the match. So. Because then Kane comes out. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. Kane comes out, and this is this is great. Like this is the Russo stuff where if you need the manual, you need to go check the fucking you know the notes at the back or whatever it is. You know the, the extended the, law, the, the liner notes oh, yeah. or whatever it is. Because Kane comes out and chokes him the rock, and you didn't know what to make of this. No, the bell rang, and then I had to explain to you that because Kane came out and attacked the rock, that meant that his brother, the Undertaker was disqualified so then he was free with the match was over to then beat up the undertaker and the two of them have have the big fight and the rock is dead in the meanwhile and it just seemed a little bit strange to me that a moral chaotic cane would come in and go i know what i'm gonna do i'm gonna beat up your opponent so you yeah it seemed a little bit machiavellian for cane for mayor cane yes <laughs> but for this cane no yeah corporate cane yes no not classic cane I did not like this match. I think at this point, they didn't have enough unique things. Like, everything they were showing you here was stuff you'd seen before. Because you'd seen Bear, you'd seen Bossman, you'd seen Kane, you'd seen a match end in DQ. It's like... Yeah. yeah, it's all the stuff they've already done, but not as funny or as silly or as entertaining. Yeah. And the wrestling as well wasn't wasn't that good honestly i found this boring lots of lying around again lots of punch 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 irish yeah. whip and it's not even like I, I mean i guess it's to be expected to a point because like obviously at this point in the show the rock and the undertaker have both been in several matches mm. like they're going to be tired but yeah there's just lots of less energy i think and the pacing isn't as fun and it's just brawling and then they go in the yeah. crowd and the rock wins and it's anticlimactic and yeah i gave it one star purely for paul bearer's face <laughs> and sexy boss man well i think what is always intriguing about these matches is that i always felt watching them as a kid that it was like you should be thankful because the undertaker is wrestling the rock and it's just like you sh you're not allowed to criticize the fact that the match is actually not doing a whole ton it's meant to mm. be like you should be in awe of the star power that's on display but there's so much other star power that's it like i think it seems to be it, it wore off at different moments because it felt like for me i was still getting that well it's the star power so i love it and that last match yeah. even though they weren't doing a lot wrestling wise i would just still love watching mankind wrestling with stone cold because I just like that Stone Cold treats him as a threat and vice versa. Yeah. Whereas this, it just kind of feels like, yeah, it's the Undertaker and the Rock. They're not really doing much, but like, hey, the Undertaker's letting the Rock punch him as well. So, <laughs> cool. res respect. Yeah. Here's something that's not changed in my opinion in the last few years, because I may have developed my thoughts and opinions on the true causes of women's wrestling and the issues afflicting it and the, the systemic issues affecting women's wrestling and the, the competitors within it and the, the bookers and all that. But whoever decides to book a triple threat fucking tag team dog shit turned on a pole match that this is, that was shit then. It was shit when I did an episode about it seven years ago. And it's shit now. New Age Outlaws versus the Headbangers and D'Lo Brown and Mark Henry. Good God in heaven. This stood out like a sore old thumb, Joe. I don't want to review this match. It's really bad. <laughs> it was so funny. 
fucking shit. I hate them. The New Age Outlaws, I don't like. I don't even know who they are, but I hate them. I hate how they look and I hate how they act. Did you? Why and did you hate how they look and how they act? Just because they look annoying and they act annoying. <laughs> and you, know, you like you like you just get Billy on this podcast for. I think you'll, you'll share some opinions. Oh, really? Does he not like them either? We started the Attitude Era podcast because the New Age Outlaws were like a big part of the Attitude Era. And as teen boys who had seen them, me and Adam were like, oh yeah, the New Age Outlaws, they're great. And then we started watching the shows and Billy was like, their matches are really bad. <laughs> and he's like, all they do is come out and say the same thing. Yes. And then Billy Gunn gets the hot tag yes. and he does the same thing. And we're like, oh. But at that, we were like, but you have to like them. <laughs> <laughs> and then very quickly it was like oh no this is this is quite poor yeah see this is this is why billy keeble is the thought leader of our little absolutely (laughs) it's very very important that we all recognize just how bad the new age outlaws were here look the crowd love them they love saying suckers they love the hockey tops they love badass billy gun they love that he's got tights that have bits cut out for his ass cheeks you know, that road dog makes a little weed reference. You know, it's it's very late nineties chic, Joe. You got to give it that. Well, the two on commentary are not impressed. No, we're not at all. They're the faces here, no. the New Age Outlaws. Some some choice lines we have here. Jerry Lawler says, "Just checking. There are supposed to be three men in the ring at all times." Jr. says, "Yes." Uh, I, I, I didn't know what was happening, and then Jr. says, "These things are hard to call." And then Lawler says, "That's what's great about this match. There's no rhythm." Yeah, I love that in a wrestling match. The most telling thing was when, at one point, Headbanger Thrasher looked like he was going to tag in. Yeah, and then JL says, is he going to make a tag? It doesn't even matter. (laughs) But instead of, he went to tag and then he kind of, like, the camera was on him, so then he kind of went, oh, and, like, (laughs) scratched behind his ear. I was saying to you, I've done a lot myself, and I know it's still a lot as well as a teacher, but ever, you know, kind of just instinctively thought, oh, I'll answer that question, then realize you don't know the answer or that they're not asking the question you thought they were. And then the hand goes up and it's like, no, this is a really long scratch. Oh, I'm just stretching my one hand, which happens to be my question answering hand. (laughs) It needs to be stretched because of all the questions I'll be answering later (laughs) on today. That's the kind of tag we got. Uh, This match was a mess. It wasn't even a hot mess. It was uh, a mess that was roasting hot on the outside and stone cold in the middle. The referee misses a pin count. Great. We get... There's so many times where like D'Lo hits his finisher and then the referee has to wait three seconds because the person no who's meant to position, break it up yeah. is out of position. And then the match just ends with Billy Gunn does a pile driver, which is not his finisher. He just does it. I was like, all right. And that's the end of the match. And you know it's good when they've edited out the incredibly inebriated promo afterwards because I remember me, Adam and Billy talking at length about him grabbing the mic and being like, Headbangs, this does headbangs come get them assy belts, ball. But all we get is me, and Mr. B A. He refers to badass Billy Gunn as Mr. B A Double Poisonous Serpents. And seven years later, it doesn't make any more sense. He's speaking in hieroglyphics. That's why. Mr. Bass is like what? Yeah, it's the fish. Hieroglyphics. Oh my fucking god. Or Joe. emoji? Maybe he's speaking in emoji. It's so bad because yeah. I remember watching this back in the day and there was a famous clip of, of Road Dog and Billy Gunn being high as a kite on the Home mm. Shopping Channel and it boded very bad where JR tried the night was like, don't forget, we're on the Home Shopping Network later on tonight, folks. Yeah, they've already had a few. Oh, dear. <laughs> a rating for this? Yes. No stars. No stars. Coming up next, main event time, a vacant WWF champion 
Musk being crowned in, hey, do you remember 12 months ago when Bret Hart got screwed in Montreal? Me neither. <laughs> it's The Rock, the people's champion, taking on the corporate champion, now wearing just his brown tights underneath and a snazzy bow tie. It's Mankind. He's got boots, no slippers. He's here to win a championship. And Boss Man, he's out here as well, just to make sure everything goes. Oh, and Boss Man, he doesn't come out. They just have a bit with him backstage. It's like, yeah. you did a really good job today, Boss Man. We're very proud of you, even though you messed up a few times. And Shane is there, and, and Shane's like, oh, go and, go and give him double these for me, like the fingers. <laughs> and then Boss Man's like, who are you? And he walks off, presumably to go interfere with someone with a big bag of tools yeah he's got a big i like that he has an on-brand boss man Love bag that. i think that should be that should be a wrestler's gimmick someone needs a, like a, a a mysterious tool bag or something Ooh. like a bag full of surprises i could i could tell you stories joe i could tell mm. you stories a couple of wrestlers have had uh tool cases let's Ooh. just say at various various points jr right at the start of the match in case you hadn't you know thought about it just went i'm a bit worried here king there may be a montreal situation developing wow is this in poor taste? Yes. <laughs> do you blame them for doing this? Like, do you think they could have done this without making reference to Montreal? I think they didn't need to, yes. I think I think they played it a bit too hard. Mm. Considering how much they love doing this now with the whole Montreal screw job, I think if they'd gone a bit set, like softer in the start, mm. they could have implied it a lot without actually outright saying, oh, so-and-so screwed so-and-so. Yeah, well, we're going to do a dedicated episode on the screw job at some point, even though we've talked about it. But in that episode, I want to spend a particular time talking about all the, A, conspiracy theories about the Montreal screw job, and B, most importantly, all of the many rehashings of the Montreal screw job. And it's your first one here tonight, folks. The McMahons are out pretty much immediately. Shane in a referee shirt at ringside is definitely meant to send an ominous message about what's going to happen. The referee doesn't count when Mankind is out of the ring. He counts when The Rock is out of the ring. He doesn't disqualify him when he... Lo you know, it's all the rules are in Mankind's favour again. But, interestingly, there Vince's face, he's not given much away no considering they you know throughout this whole show they've been cutting to vince and he's not even pretending to be in a wheelchair anymore like he he's disregarded yeah. that entirely he's like on his feet and he's obviously like intensely invested in the match but you can't really tell to what end much like in montreal the year before yeah <laughs> except that wasn't in kayfabe <laughs> and you've got him and, and shane whispering and jr wonders what they're talking about and lola says it's a secret jr that's why they're cupping their hands over the mouths <laughs> <laughs> brilliant there's a lot of crowd brawling i think you're seeing the fact that these guys have wrestled a few times yeah. and also they're wrestling in the late 90s so there's going to be a lot of that. The Rock at one point has a very another very big panto weapon spot where Mankind has the stairs and then they fall on top of him and The Rock hits the stairs with a chair just to make a big bang for everyone in the back going, Way. Kevin liked that. He was really impressed. He was like, ow. I like it. It's big noise. Oh, ow. That, that, those stairs, they'll get a nasty bruise tomorrow. I love when there's just anything with a noise. My favourite thing ever is you when... You just someone come out of the drum. Yeah, honestly. When Bossman hits stuff with uh, his <laughs> lifestyle, I'm like... Good job. Excellent. Very good. <laughs> Someone should just come out and go. That would be my, I, I'd, I'd be, it'd be my gimmick. I think I'd do that. Like freak out wrestler by putting them into like, you know, like the Taz mission and then going. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh yeah, the rock spits out his nose. I didn't see that. And I'm really glad because I think it might have made me sick. Yeah. So we have some uh, fun on the announce desk, which involves Mick Foley just 
fucking leg dropping. He, the JR's reaction when he's like an inch away from being hit by Foley. He's like, God damn it, you're God damn it. Now that, there's that real fire. I don't know, even if JR could tell you how he made his head go into that place where all the reaction is like fucking fire. Like, because he's probably genuinely good friends with like a lot of the people mm. involved. Like it's a very different time, I think, for him. I, I just, I don't know why he can't get there anymore. Because you know? it's an old man who isn't... Mm. It's, it's very different. It's it a different is, period yeah. of wrestling. It's, it's, a, it's a different... He's been through so much. He yeah. can't be the same person, you know? And would it even work if no. he did? Like... I guess, you know, I just feel like Mauro Ronaldo is gone. I'm missing someone who just has that fucking hardwire to, like, pure rage and indignation and emotion when something happens. It just wrestling needs it. You know, yeah. wrestling's so ridiculous. You need to have someone be like, this is horrible! Yeah. To make it seem differentiated. No. I've heard enough oh mys to do me for a while now. <laughs> Thank you very much. If that wasn't enough, Foley just goes straight up on top of the turnbuckle and is like, I'm going through the Spanish announce table now. Wee! It looked very sore. Yeah. Uh, this is Mick who's got big hip problems. He's got the, the, the cadaver's tendon going in very shortly now as well. Mm. And he is two months before the I Quit match with the Rockets. A mm. busy, busy period for our Micker. We get the people's elbow and Mankind kicks out. And then we get Socko. The Rock is fading and the camera again misses another crucial moment tonight where The yeah. Rock's arm was coming down for the third and I thought he had passed out because I couldn't... The Rock was so muscular I couldn't see his big bicep. <laughs> Bullshit. Get The Rock bottom and a kick out and then The Rock locks in the patented move. I believe he learned this from Stu Hart in the dungeon. It's the, the sharpshooter which originally causes the bell to ring even though The Rock has to grab onto the ropes... This is why I love so like Brett would be spinning in his fucking grave even though he's not dead. Yeah. This would kill him and then he'd spin in his grave. Like, or it would cause him to blow his brains out and then he'd spin in his grave. Rock to yeah. a sharpshooter, I might as well blow my brains out, you know? <laughs> Just a bad time for yeah. Brett seeing the rock have to hold on to a rope to turn over someone. Yeah. And he turns mankind like into the ropes. So like by wrestling rules, you can't break, you yeah. have to break. If yeah. you're under the ropes, you're not allowed. <laughs> it's got, Vince like, loved that I'm sure extra special for him I like, love make yeah. sure you do it wrong <laughs> it's like it's even worse than what yeah. Michaels did when Michaels yeah. who couldn't do it was putting it onto Bret Hart who shoot reversed it he somehow managed an uglier sharpshooter yeah. bravo well Rocky bravo <laughs> this was great Mankind is sad and confused oh, by the way I just want to say I got totally swerved by this did you even though you made it in hindsight I should have fucking seen this coming a mile off but like I'm glad I didn't because yeah yeah, it's obviously I wasn't supposed to necessarily see this coming. But like literally my notes are like lying on the floor. Uh, the the rock has mankind a sharpshooter. Um, huh? What's happened there? I swear he didn't tap, but they ring the bell. I don't understand. What's going on? How quickly did the Montreal shoe drop for you then? Because mm. I know identification of wrestling maneuvers is not your favourite thing in the world. <laughs> it was after... Someone said about it being a sharpshooter because I didn't even realise it's a sharpshooter. Uh, it's such a bad sharpshooter; it doesn't even <laughs> recognise in my mind. That's for you, Brett. <laughs> so yeah, I think when I finally clicked was when Jerry on commentary goes, "Vince McMahon didn't screw the public; the public screwed themselves." Oh no, that was Vince who oh, said that. That was Vince that. who said that. Because yeah, he was doing the old brand. Like, uh, the people that was screwed it. Yeah. the people. I love that Vince couldn't hide his joy about how happy he was. Yeah. And The Rock said that, you know, he'd said that he would rather, you know, kiss. He, he would 
rather be the people's ass than kiss Vince's. But he's like, now everyone's going to kiss my ass because I'm the champion. I'm only like 25. And the thing that made it for me, and it just, it actually made it distinct enough from the previous year. Because you know, the previous year, you have Bret Hart, you know, smashing monitors, writing WCW with his fingers, spitting Vince's face. And here you've got Mankind go, I don't understand, Dad. I mean, The Rock's a great wrestler, but <laughs> to lose the match, I had to be pinned or submitted. And I, but I didn't give up. And he's like, don't you get it, Mick? And they just beat the shit out of him. Understand this. And then oh. he like, hits him over the head with the championship. <laughs> now, for me, perfect, like, Empire Strikes Back, evil ending. You end right there. Mm. That, that's how you do it. Having Austin come out in the end and being like, I'm the protagonist of wrestling. Yeah. I don't know if we needed the Stone Cold Revenge DLC here. And then you've got the McMahons running away again. And yeah. then you've got Stone Cold beating up The Rock. For ages, he yeah. p- pillar to post. And then you've got him helping up Mankind, which is nice. But then he gives them the stunner because he's Stone Cold Steve Austin. <coughs> and that's how the show ends. I am completely in agreement with you. It was unnecessary. It really undid, I think, a lot of it having stone cold come out i think they should have the drama yeah they should have done something that with boss man backstage like we should have seen some interference that meant that stone cold like maybe wanted to but couldn't or yeah we, we you know didn't even realize something was going on or you could go off the air with austin running into you know the car coming into the arena and him starting to beat yeah. up people it's like ah it's a big brawl what's gonna happen yeah on raw tomorrow yeah, go watch that go watch your go. telly show literally but yeah, it it that that is that's you know Steve Austin. I told you he's got a bit of the paranoia to him. Yes, that is Steve Austin saying. I think if you end this show, that I, I'm going to lose too much because I got laid out. But if Bossman didn't miss his cue and and Steve Austin didn't get hit by Jerry Briscoe with a chair, we wouldn't have had that. <laughs> that's 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 literally it. Fragile, masculinity. fragile. Wow. What's your rating for the main event then? I gave it two stars. Two stars. But that's for the wrestling again, okay. like. The, the actual the drama end, the drama was really good but I can't say that that was wrestling I mean obviously all of it's wrestling it's a wrestling show but like generally I, I give my star rating on like I have to include the wrestling well it's bell to bell as well it's bell it? to bell exactly and I know we, tonight we had a lot of matches that had drama during the match yeah but and I think after and stuff this, yeah. this is very much the drama starts to happen with the post match yes. so I guess it's not fair to, to include it there but I, I, yeah I don't please don't think that because I gave this two stars I didn't have fun like with this this show, this match I loved this match it was so much fun I really like seeing mankind interact with Vince like when we did yeah. the the mankind episode I wanted to see more of him calling Vince dad and seeing him face the rock was cool as well because obviously yeah. like that's how I first started getting into wrestling was watching mankind and the rocks feud. great great like great dance partners you yeah. know, either as, as opponents or as actual you know as tie partners in the ring they just there's something about them it's like here are the two different sides of yeah. wrestling in 1998 like and seeing Mick Foley play a character who's kind of like a bit stupid and confused and vulnerable is like a, such a soft spot for me. I love that. He plays mm. it so perfectly. Yeah. And against someone like The Rock who is so cool and strong. I got works. so many goosebumps throughout this pay-per-view watching Aww. it again. I had a really great... I enjoyed it a lot more than I did when I watched it for the Attitude Era podcast back in the day. I think it says a lot because when I started start doing the Attitude Era podcast, wrestling was on this kind of like cusp of changing 2013-14 where you had things like The Shield and CM Punk and Daniel Bryan are going to... All new shiny yeah. things. are like, you know, the wrestling's going to be different. And when you see wrestling changing to something that you like and then you look back to the way wrestling was and then they're lauding it to be something it was not, I think I was overly critical of a lot of like the kind of big 
and you know the big moments and stuff like that. And also, I think it's worth noting that you know it's a, we're in a pandemic right now. Absolutely. There's no live wrestling. The standards of wrestling right now are low. That's why we do pay per view classic is because we wanted yeah. something fun to break up our monotonous time of watching wrestling in front of no one well so, a lot of people yeah. are saying that they're loving the fact that your match ratings have been like so generous because of the pandemic <laughs> and all that but i mean like if you're to give this pay-per-view an overall rating it seems like you know it, it's a rare breed of pay-per-view where you seem to have an enjoyment throughout the show mm. but there's like you know no shortage of matches that under delivered or yeah. boring you know this is not like a fucking three-hour show full of perfect wrestling by no. any stretch it's it's full of a lot of the heave and groan and stuff that makes the attitude to be not what it was you know it's, it's great wrestling in many respects a lot better than what we have now but mm, and also a lot of not great wrestling a lot of boring wrestling yeah it's it's, be- <laughs> it's it is in ways infuriatingly better than yeah. now is and it's also in ways so infuriatingly not as good yeah like i love that now we have such um, such diversity in the styles of wrestling mm. so like the, the my biggest criticism with this show was some of the matches were the same like it was just punch 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 kick 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 irish whip if you didn't have william regal and x-pac in the match that there yeah. were i think you could have probably halved the move counter on tonight's <laughs> yeah and yeah i think some people do the whole punching kicking style better than others and i think as well it's that type of style is harder to keep entertaining when you're doing it in like three matches in a row. Yeah, definitely. And you're getting tired. So, so yeah, mm. I love this. So much fun. Mm-hmm. I'm so glad we decided to do a second chance for yeah. drama because this is great. I would, if I had to give this whole show a rating, I think I'd give it four stars. Nice. And that's me being harsh. Like, wow, okay. I had so much fun. Can my next, my next brief just be like more Vince more Vince more Vince I love him it's so funny if Pay-Per-View Classic ends up becoming this like Attitude Era revisited thing now or something like that but look we can go for another Vince centric pay-per-view but let's maybe try and go from a different time period okay maybe how about that instead okay in that case what about like the dark era of wrestling like that I'm not so confident in like 2009 oh yeah or 2010 like I know there's a lot of Vince Vince McMahon is Bobby Lashley feud how about that oh CM Punk I know Vince McMahon feuding with the ECW roster how about that oh got some good stuff coming there huh Well, until next time, where there will be a new brief, a new vote, and a new pay-per-view, it's an au revoir from me, Kevin. And a goodbye from me, Joe. And we'll see you next time on Pay-Per-View Classic. See ya!